passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Oh, Charlotte Flair, Charlotte Flair set over the top, set over the top, Charlotte Flair, Charlotte Flair's been eliminated, Becky Lynch is going to WrestleMania, here is your winner, Becky Lynch, Becky did it, Becky did it, man oh man. It is John Pollock and Waiting, and welcome to Post Wrestling's Royal Rumble Post Show, Man, that show just breezed by. I feel like it was just moments ago that it was 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, and I closed my eyes, and all of a sudden, it's after midnight. It's a new day. Literally. Yes, indeed. I sense some sarcasm in your voice, John. Um, I will say, I mean, I was thoroughly entertained by this show. I did not feel the drag that much. Oh, I felt drag on this show. Okay. Uh, we We will get into it. It was... I mean, it was seven hours. It was seven hours from mm-hmm. the time the, the kickoff uh, started. Lots of good on this show. But when you tell me that was seven hours, I can say, yes, <laughs> that was seven hours. How are you doing tonight, Way? I'm doing pretty good. This was a different one today, John, because I actually watched it with you. In the loosest sense, we watched this <laughs> together. We sat here. I didn't know what to do. I, I, I didn't want to make too much small talk with you. What do you mean? No, oh. it, it's good. I, it, most people sitting with them uh, for that amount of silence, I would be neurotic about, am I being rude? I don't have any of that with you. I don't feel any need to talk to you. And I know you feel no need to talk to me. So you and I, uh, we made remarks. But I, I, I really got the sense you didn't want to... Uh, have any discussions that could be saved for the show. I, and, I, and I respect that. I completely do it for the benefit of this show. Yes. Otherwise, obviously, we, we would basically talk about every thought that we had. I didn't even want to see your notes. I don't know. I don't yeah. want to know what you think. Yeah, you shouldn't. I want you. I, you thought this show just breezed by. I, I didn't even know John was as bored as he was. I, I didn't even bother looking over. We sat like this close. Like you were, you were sitting right here. I was sitting right here. And yet I have no idea what you thought about the show. Yeah, I think it's wonderful. It's great. It's great when you have two uh, anti-social individuals uh, that then have to talk. Braden and Davey are having a party. Oh god, got like a, a ten thousand people. Oh, man, Davey was probably in tears when Kyrie Sane came out. Braden's yeah. hugging him. I mean, the complete opposite. All right, uh, big show ahead. We're gonna have a full rundown of the Royal Rumble, but then it is off to you. We want to hear from you. I'm gonna give this phone number out now, and I'll repeat it later. But if you are in the chat room at the moment and you want to call in, the number to call seven three two eight hundred four four two three seven three two eight hundred four four two three. We will be taking calls as long as they are coming in later on. Do not call right now. We are not going to be going to you. And if you do call and it's busy, uh, do give it some time uh, as we are 
working through all of this, and hopefully we can hear from a lot of you tonight. And of course, the chat room that John was referring to is the YouTube chat room, which uh, is where we are broadcasting the live version of these pay-per-view post shows. And we make those available to our double-double ice cap and espresso patrons of our Patreon, postwrestlingcafe.com. So if you choose to pledge at that certain amount, we go live with all of our WWE pay-per-view post shows and maybe even some other ones. Uh, So uh, that's a privilege that's afforded to you guys. So feel free to call in. Uh, a little later when we call for feedback. Yes. So uh, look forward to that. And yes, after each WWE event, maybe more in the future, uh, you can join us live. All right. We have no time for chit chat, but this show, it's a big one. It's so big that we even have a sponsor this week. Yes, Way. Who is bringing us this show? Well, tonight we are sponsored again by the fine people at Grapple. That's Grapple. G R A P P L. Without a e, I got some confusion. Get the e out. Get the e out. It is a new wrestling app that's available for free right now on the App Store and Google Play, where you can rate the matches that you watch, so you don't need to keep spreadsheets or notes on your phone. Grapple aggregates the ratings for each match and calculates an average across everyone who has rated, so you can see what thousands of wrestling fans from around the world collectively think. Four major pay-per-views like tonight's Royal Rumble. The matches went up on Grapple, Grapple immediately after each match was finished, so you could follow things live and see what other people think of each match straight away. On our review tonight, we will be going to the app to see what Grapple raiders and uh, users have voted for each match on the show. So throughout the evening, we will refer to the app. Uh, as you're used to do doing on other social media platforms, you can follow your friends or other people so that you can see what ratings they are giving as well. I am on there at Way0937. I was rating every match uh, throughout the evening as well as uh, matches from uh, TakeOver and p- pretty much every like match I watched this year. So you can follow all of my ratings and tell me how full of shit that I am and uh, you can... Uh, give me your ratings as well and tell me why why I was I was wrong. Yeah, maybe maybe we could have Trevor and Arthur on to critique your ratings. I would love that. Uh, some other things you can do on Grapple are you can comment on your friends' ratings. You can easily create a watch list of well-rated matches that you want to go back to rewatch on the WWE Network or New Japan World. And you can use a filter to easily find out what the best and the worst rated matches are by promotion, event, or year and month. At the moment, Grapple includes WWE, New Japan, Ring of Honor, Progress, Impact, PWG, Lucha Underground, and Evolve matches. And it now has nearly 28,000 matches on there going back to 1985. More promotions, old and current, are going to be added this year. So you can download Grapple right now for free. Just search G-R-A-P-P-L. No E on the end on the App Store and Google Play. For more updates, follow Grapple App, G-R-A-P-P-L-A-P-P, on Twitter. Yes, and throughout the show, after each match, we will give you a sample of what the users were voting each match at uh, with the star rating system. Mm -hmm. All right, let's get into it. Royal Rumble from Chase Field in Phoenix, Arizona. First of all, uh, what did you think about the environment tonight? Um, They did bring it up on the broadcast. It's not too often you see them run a baseball stadium. They have run many different versions of stadiums, whether they be uh, football stadiums or soccer stadiums even. We saw the uh, over in Australia recently where they've been. But uh, baseball stadiums, very different configuration. And for this one... If you were expecting the big elaborate set for a major pay-per-view, that wasn't the case because they were coming out of the dugout. And now has that stopped them in the past? Because the Skydome's a baseball stadium. Like yeah, I mean, it's like you can 
it's all in how you can customize the logistics of the stadium of what provides what is the easiest. You remember when they did the Alamo Dome for the Rumble, one of the factors they had to take into consideration was it was such a long entranceway that you had to steer the guys out on a on a motorized vehicle mm-hmm. and maybe just coming out of the dugout you can cut down on that because as we can see with this show time is extremely critical and you don't want to be spending x amount of time of guys just getting down a huge uh, entryway when you've got to be doing 60 entrances throughout the night and on top of everything else so mm-hmm. that's just me spitballing of what might have been and i had no issue with it tonight if you love the big elaborate set it wasn't there but it was practical and it was a quick entranceway i'm somebody who typically loves the big elaborate sets but i was a fan of this one just because it was a change of pace i thought it was kinda, different yeah, yeah. Had a different feel felt I, like a big show i thought it was kind of neat that they were coming out of a baseball dugout to me it, it separated this particular show from you know any other uh, cut and paste set that they would have in at any other event yeah i mean there were some moments on on the show where i was wishing they would go to the bullpen and bring a reliever out to wow take someone out that wow, wow. i was just more going for the joke there uh i'd like the little bend in the ramp that yeah was, which, where <laughs> some of the guys had to like slow down because they it was like it was like not a 90 degree turn that they had but it was like, like you, had to, you, had, degree? you had to turn those hips like I and get, get those those legs uh yeah. around that that little uh hook so anyway Tricky. that was the setup um the number that they gave the attendance figure was something insane um you know the number being thrown out as like the legitimate figure it's uh, we don't know the legitimate figure, but going in, it was around twenty five to thirty thousand is what was expected. And what was the actual attendance WWE gave? They gave forty eight thousand one hundred ninety three. Okay, so yeah. anyway, we'll possibly get the the paid figure uh, coming out of this show. But um, in terms of the the crowd, I mean, there were this wasn't like a stadium show where the atmosphere ever heard it like when they were loud they were loud but when they were out of it you could tell when they were out of it and i didn't think that had anything to do with the acoustics or anything i feel that was more just the fatigue of the crowd or characters that they were very much invigorated by that you you did hear them yeah so on the pre-show started off with jonathan coachman joined by beth phoenix booker t and jerry lawler and a few announcements coming out of the pre-show Drake Maverick announced that Akam is injured, which we had reported on. He had had arthroscopic knee surgery. He's expected to be gone two months. And Razor, his teammate, still wants to be a Raw Tag Team Champion. So Drake has come up with the ingenious idea that Razor teams with Scott Dawson to face Bobby Roode and Chad Gable tonight. Okay. For a shot at the uh, a future shot, I believe it was. Was this a non-title match? I believe it was non-title, wasn't it? He at the end of this promo, I was certainly unclear about it. I didn't even then realize the outcome that. of this made even less sense. Well, I didn't to even me. realize why this match was happening. I didn't know either. To be quite honest, one of the show the matches on the main show should have been added on the pre-show. I think so. There was too many yeah. matches on the main show. Mm-hmm. And quite honestly, I know it's a Shane McMahon match. That one could have headlined the the kickoff. Yep. And Completely. would have been fine. Instead, we this it was just it was a lengthy period. It did not yeah. need this extra match tacked on. The show it. went till when like eleven forty five. This this was minutes before. It's ten to midnight Eastern yeah. time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they could have like on the ne- the network schedule. The out is eleven o'clock. So they went like forty five minutes past what the targeted end day, uh, end time was. Uh, Joe cut this really great promo uh, talking about his eyes stemming from the Mustafa Ali promo on SmackDown. And they did a taped segment with Daniel Bryan inside the empty stadium where he brought out the Royal Rumble burger. 
Chase Field better be giving Daniel Bryan comps to whatever events he ever wants to go to at this stadium because this Royal Rumble burger got so much promotion from Bryan that I bet was just all organic, not literally organic, but theoretically, with Bryan just responding to that tweet and everyone being aware of this damn Royal Rumble burger because of Daniel Bryan. Mm-hmm. I'm sure like somewhere down the chain, like they had to get the okay for Bryan to uh, cut a promo on this Chase Field burger. And I'm sure somebody at Chase Field was like, yes, we love it, please. What, a, what an awful idea if someone had an issue with that. It's a one-night-only yeah, burger. Absolutely. I, I I was thinking that they might have sold out of the of this thing. But I then. heard from one person there who said they did. Wow. At least where there he went. Go. So, yeah, I'm sure this thing was sold out. So if Burger King or McDonald's are watching, Daniel Bryan the is the Royal Rumble burger. Maybe yeah. someone's going to pick up on this. And he talked about the animals that suffered for this burger. This was only his second best promo of the weekend because his one at the Superstore mm-hmm. was unbelievable. He was, he's was he been doing great promos all week for all the local affiliates, uh, cutting promos on everybody, cutting promos. Oh, the one in the, the, on the local news on inside Henry, the ring? On Henry Cejudo. On Henry Cejudo. He's yes. been doing tremendous work this whole entire week. Um, okay. So anyway. <laughs> don't call in yet, everybody. Yes, don't, don't call, call in yet, everyone. We're literally doing the show right now. Um so anyway, great promo here. Bobby Roode, Chad Gable versus Razor and Scott Dawson. Uh, Dawson and Razor had the advantage early on Gable, and he sold, built up for the, the hot tag from Bobby Roode, and uh, Dawson eventually came off the top of the missile drop kick, missing Roode, taking out his partner Razor, and then Roode and Gable did their double team reverse neckbreaker with Gable landing the moonsault. They won 654. I thought this had been a tag match, a tag title match, so I understood the champions going over. Non-title match, I don't know why the hell this happened. Yeah, the, 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 the non-title match and the makeshift team loses, to what point? I have no idea. It was not a tag title match because the, the team uh, that was in contention had not earned that shot yet, so <laughs> I okay. I don't know, actually. I have no idea what this was needed for. No. Yeah, I, I could have come up with better idea if we had to force a new match onto this show. I, I don't know if this had to be the the one that we went with, but the, nonetheless, the 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 crowd was very cold for this one, especially considering that that it was an opener. I thought I expected a bit more of a reaction from them. I thought the match itself was just kind of standard fare for what you would typically see. I thought it was hurt by the lack of interest in the characters in the story. To me, the highlight though, we talk about that bend in the in the in the in the entrance ramp as the cameraman is backing up for uh gable and rude's entrance he trips on the yeah bed. the cameraman <laughs> fell over that was awesome i was more amazed that the announcers didn't give this guy a hard time they loved when that stuff happens yes that's right and uh, for people that are curious the grapple app users rated this match do you have any guesses john out of five out of five i'll go one and a one and a do they do quarters yes they do one and a quarter one and three quarters. Well, to be exact, at this time, it is 1.77 out of 64 users. That's, uh, that seems I'm fair. surprised that many people watch the match, to be honest. Um, then uh, David Otunga and Shawn Michaels swapped in for the second hour of the kickoff show. Because even the production team, they know it's too long to keep you know Jerry Lawler and Booker T out there for two hours. Michaels sits down. He's wearing a NXT UK t-shirt, an NXT ball cap, and he put the... Uh, the sports coat over and he had uh, informed them this was like Shawn Michaels going to the prom like this was dressed up Shawn Michaels and he identified himself the worst dressed man (laughs) he looked like he arrived and they told him yeah you're doing the panel tonight you need a jacket here it's like oh he doesn't give an f it's it's amazing though because in the past like his his 90s character was all about the way he looked if you were to 
showcase this this event, this this kickoff show to a non-fan, mm-hmm. and you say, hey, one of these people on this show used to go by the moniker the Heartbreak Kid. They would say, hmm, I mean, David Otunga is a very well-built man. Um, I'm sure Jerry Lawler was quite a nice-looking man back in the day. The the guy who hasn't shaved in a year, that dude, no way. Well, listen, once you've kind of been through it, you you maybe you you take narcissism to such an extreme that you just stop caring. I I, I envy the fact that he he doesn't have any of that desire to mm-hmm. have to put on a, a facade for anybody. Sure. It's like I'm Shawn Michaels. This is what you're getting. Yeah, this is me. I'm not doing anything special for this. He knows something. He has a sense of confidence none of us have. Uh, and then they went with uh, Rusev Shinsuke Nakamura. Of course, Nakamura winning last year's Royal Rumble, and we didn't know if he would be in this year's. Uh, event or rumble match mm-hmm. uh, proper nakamura came off the steps with a kick dropping rusev and sent him into the barricade they go inside rusev broke out of a front chancery landed a, a i thought a really great looking drop kick he got a lot of height on this thing um the audience kind of kind of got into things as rusev made his comeback knocked nakamura to the floor and rusev called for a dive but it was cut off by nakamura nakamura then Went for an armbar, turned it into a triangle. Rusev fought and fought, got him up, and then Nakamura turned into a guillotine, which was eventually broken by a vertical suplex. Then Nakamura hit the landslide, and he went to remove the turnbuckle pad when Lana got onto the apron, removed her shoes, and started screaming, Cheater! Cheater! He's a cheater! And Nakamura got into Lana's face, and Rusev... Like a freight train ran at Nakamura, who got out of the way. Lana flew off the apron to the floor and grabbed her ankle in pain. Rusev, just looking all concerned, his words of encouragement were, Lana, get up. (laughs) And then Nakamura hit him with the Kinshasa to the back of the neck, pinning Rusev, winning the title back 10 minutes and 13 seconds. Yeah, I was sort of commuting to your place at, as this match was happening, but I so were most of the people entering Chase Field. But I rewatched uh, most of it in faster speed to me, and, and it just I don't know felt like a bit of a standard Raw match again against SmackDown match. I mean, yeah, I thought this would be um, slightly above average television match. Um, I'm, I'm not, not much. Ex- I'm not expecting anything great for the kickoff. You know, like why? Uh, these well, wait two- a minute. Wait, wait. What was coming well, up next? Unless it's a main event, I suppose. I thought this would be the main event, and I think the fact that they weren't tells you perhaps maybe what they think of the cruiserweights. I mean, they still got. They only had two minutes less than the cruiserweights. I was yeah. expecting. I mean, this was fine. I don't want to. Uh, it was also to set up Law on a spot. Yes, yes, for later on, which would have bigger. Uh, well, <laughs> one of the biggest implications on the yeah. show, actually. This was actually a very big angle for what it led to. But um, yeah, uh, I imagine they. The, uh, obviously, the feud continues. Grapple users rated this match two point five five. Okay, what do you see as Nakamura's um, mania opponent, or even coming out of this? I mean, oh, it seems like Rusev. he'll continue with Rusev. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have a clear cut path for where Nakamura's going to go after this. Like, he's. I, don't either. I mean, it could be any of those guys. Um, I would. I'm not. Also, not really sure if he'll even have the title. By yeah. by Mania. Then they made the announcement. Uh, they replayed the brawl that aired after Takeover went off the air for the live crowd, and they announced that it's going to be a six man tag this Sunday with the return of Halftime Heat. 
which was something that they did 20 years ago on the USA Network with an mm-hmm. empty arena match with The Rock and Mankind uh, during the Super Bowl halftime show. And this year, they're going to do a six-man tag with Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, and Adam Cole against Velveteen Dream, Aleister Black, and Ricochet Sunday during halftime. And it'll be airing on the WWE Network, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, WWE.com. So oh, so it's free. You don't have to sign up. Yeah, they're going to be just throwing it on to their various social media channels. And I asked about this and was told they're going to be doing this live from the Performance Center. Really? On Sunday. With? An audience? I would assume not, but yeah. I don't know for sure. I don't know how you could entice people to come on Super Bowl Sunday for one match. I mean, I think it would look cool if it was the training, like the the, the trainees. Well, you right? could have that. Yeah, that's an easy call to make. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you could get uh, an audience for it. Uh, and I think I'm curious to see how they do this because I just had assumed because the TV tapings are this week, not next week for NXT on Wednesday night. I just assumed they'd tape it then. Mm-hmm. But given that I think they really want to push this this week, you kind of want to have that live environment and not just, hey, it's a taped six-man from four days earlier. Yeah. So this is interesting. And yeah, it's something inter- I'm going to tune into. It's interesting that they're choosing to profile NXT in a spot like this and not somebody from the main roster. Um, to me, it kind of shows that they... It seems to me like they want to kind of go towards what Triple H was hinting at and treating NXT as a third brand proper, not necessarily just a minor league. Yeah, and I'm sure that went into the thinking of uh, cameos in the Royal Rumble just to kind of for the sole purpose of pushing this match. Mm -hmm. And they also announced Shawn Michaels will be doing commentary for it. Okay, so So let's see NXT if what he he'll be wearing blazer, blazer or no blazer. I can't imagine it. Maybe Uh, a cowboy hat. I don't Instead know. of a baseball He's hat. been rocking that that little oh, uh, the, sleeping mask. The headband. His forehead. Yes. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Maybe that that's that's half the intrigue of tuning into <laughs> Halftime Heat. I will 100% not be watching the football game, so I'll tune into this. Oh, Braden and Davey will be recording a little bit. Yeah, Braden and Davey are going to yeah. do um, uh, post-game it? heat, where they're going to do a quick review of this match up on the Up Next feed. Yep. So subscribe they, to Up Next. They also have a review right now of a takeover from last night, so uh, subscribe to their feed to check that out. For sure. And then the final match on the kickoff, Buddy Murphy, Akira Tozawa, Kalisto, and Hideo Itami for the cruiserweight title. Everyone ended up on the floor, and Itami just ends up in the ring alone with this shit-eating grin, and he just waves in Buddy Murphy. Hideo Itami has some great presence as this this heel character. I mean, I haven't really been following him as much on 205 Live, so I'm just kind of catching him up, uh, catching up with him here. Um, I th- I thought he was just okay. <laughs> I, I like them in this. <laughs> I thought they crafted the position well for him. But to me, it was clear that they were protecting him because it, it's, it seems really evident to me that he's very limited now these days mm-hmm. with what he can do. Yeah, that's probably the case. Um, there were so many big spots in this. At one point, Kalisto was on the shoulders of Buddy Murphy on the floor. Tozawa is standing on the middle rope. So... Um, sorry, it's a Tommy standing on the ropes. So Tozawa, without a Tommy knowing it, dives through a Tommy's legs, knocking Kalisto off the shoulders. But after being hit, Kalisto then turns into a Hurricane Rana onto Buddy Murphy. It was awesome. I hope you great. can picture this if you didn't see this. Uh, it, uh, it's hard to imagine you, unless you see this. You have to draw a diagram. Um, then we had Kalisto just sending Tozawa up with his feet off the apron to the floor onto Murphy. Uh, a Tommy at one point looked like he was spiked 
right on his head by a Hurricane Rana from Tozawa, and then he just fled to the floor. That was a little scary to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Murphy hit a Topican Hero onto all three men. Then Tozawa spun around to hit Murphy with a reverse Rana on the floor. Kalisto hit the Salida del Sol onto Tommy for a near fall. And the end was just the brigade of Buddy Murphy knee strikes. He was hitting flying knees to everyone, finally hitting a Tommy and Murphy's Law to retain the title. 12 minutes and 6 seconds. I will go... Uh, four and a quarter on the stars for this uh i think even this one might yeah four and a quarter i'll go four and a quarter well I'll, i can tell you that uh i personally went three and three quarters uh and the app were not as kind 3.59 i very high standard man i on, thought this was on, a on great kickoff app. match it i was thought excellent. this was like even for i was i had high hopes for this match they were exceeded I really enjoyed it. I'll tell you what was really missing for me, perhaps, was just kind of, yeah, I would say lack of interest in, in the winner, you know, lack of interest in, in, in maybe too many of the characters. But uh, there, there were moments the audience reacted. Definitely. I mean, this was not a dead 205 Live crowd. Not at all. And again, like, like I said, you know, the fact that they put this on as the main event, quote unquote, of the kickoff, I, I think tells you a lot of, of how they see these guys. It was a great four-way, wall-designed, wall-executed four-way spot, um, delivered what you'd expect from the cruiserweights, high-flying, fast-paced, stiff strikes. And blew away the other two. Completely. Uh, I thought Tozawa, Kalisto, and Murphy all looked tremendous. And everybody was seemed to be able to like go out there and have the style of match that they wanted, complete with like head dropping spots and, you know, crazy high spots and didn't really affect the rest of the show at all. Um, but you know, to me though, Atami really showed his limitations, at least in ring physically. Drew McIntyre cut a promo to end the show, taking credit for getting rid of Dolph Ziggler, Kurt Angle, and John Cena. He doesn't care who wins between Brock Lesnar and Finn Balor. He's winning the title at WrestleMania. He is the king of the Raw jungle. He brought up John Cena. We should bring uh, everyone up to speed on that because Sunday afternoon, this was around 2.30 p.m. Eastern time, the WWE announced John Cena will not be at the Royal Rumble due to his quote-unquote ankle injury. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, we talked about this Monday. We talked about this Tuesday on the show. Um... As I was told, he was never scheduled to be on this show. I was, even by WWE standards, very surprised they let it go this late into the game. And I, I, I don't know how many fans will really care about this, like such blatant false advertising. But I just feel it's a bad look. And I think that for this show, um, given it was a baseball stadium and it, they did not sell out, I think they were more apt to do this kind of thing with Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman and with this Cena thing. And I just think it's a really bad look to just so for a guy that was never going. He told them he was never going to be part of this. Uh, I don't know. That just would leave a bad taste in my mouth if I was a parent that took my child to this event who's banking on seeing John Cena because he was promoted for this show. Um but maybe there's not too many people like that. So I don't know how big of a deal this is to people, but I think it's worth noting. I, I, I think it, it is too, but I think we give wrestling such a pass because we're such so used to this type of sleazy false advertising from professional wrestling that we just like let it slide and probably won't be talked about again. Uh, but I, I don't think it's right. I certainly don't like think it's they, right. They easily could have just said on yeah. Tuesday with the video, he's not going to be there due to this ankle injury. They let, let all week, he's questionable. Yeah. Which the wrestling fan in you says, oh, that means he's showing up. Mm-hmm. He's questionable. And then they just like sneak this in and then they quickly got Braun Strowman is replacing him. Yeah. And like you said, I don't, I have to wonder how much difference it made to ticket sales. Because I don't think Cena... To, to them it must. 
Yeah, I guess to they them, done it. but you know, to at least to me, and maybe I'm not even the target demographic to answer a question like this. Cena was never a draw. Like I know he wasn't going to win the Rumble just to see him appear at the Rumble or see him in, in. He wasn't advertised for a match. I I just didn't see it was I didn't see it as as something big enough to lie about. Yeah, I think you'd have to talk to the person that maybe goes to one WWE show a year or is not, so. and they're going to ask, well, who's on the show? Yeah. Um, that's when you're selling this many tickets. That's a factor of who's being advertised. Why not say The Rock? Yeah, the why Rock not? Why not? Let's just say he's questionable. Yeah. yeah. So the we move on to the main show. Started off with Asuka and Becky Lynch for the SmackDown Women's Title. Um, surprised at all with the the placement of this match? Not so much. I think though, you know, uh, as soon as Becky came out, I think most of us could automatically assume her presence in the Rumble later tonight. So Becky is screaming at Asuka, "Fight me, fight me!" And. Becky starts working over the left arm of Asuka. And this was a show that was very heavy. Eh, take over a bit, too, of like isolating body parts mm-hmm. and working them over. And Asuka caught Becky with a knee as she came off the turnbuckle, landed a spinning back fist and released German. And this was the kind of match where Asuka could just go full out. And at times you're just like bracing yourself for like her offense, which is very, very tight. And mm-hmm. at times you're just watching and... She's just going full out here on Becky. Um, Asuka teased the German suplex spot off the apron. Becky held on and was able to break free. So then Asuka has Becky on the apron. And what we could gather was she was trying for a fisherman buster. But they ended up like twisting over. And it looked like Becky's head crashed onto the floor. This was the most frightening moment of this match. Might have been like a neckbreaker of some sort. I know Ooh. they probably needed, the, or they felt like they needed an apron spot in this in this particular match to really drive the crowd up, but it did not look good, and I feel like you could have achieved something like this this without less risk. Yeah, I thought this was the like glaring so negative without, of the without match more, without um as much risk, right? So anyway, I mean Becky continued; she seemed fine afterwards, but it was a, a scary moment there. Becky came back with a exploder off the. Second turnbuckle, and then missed with a leg drop off the top. So Asuka goes for the Asuka lock. Then she applies the disarmor onto Becky, who counters it with her own version of the Asuka lock. And then Asuka rolls on top, getting a two count. Becky gets the disarmor applied herself. Asuka escapes and rolls Becky back to the Asuka lock. And she did a variation, kind of like Daniel Bryan's cattle mutilation, Mm -hmm. and forces Becky to tap out at 17 minutes and nine seconds. Um, yeah, she she added a bridge to the Oscar lock. Yeah, yeah, like a cool little variation mm-hmm. that, uh, which I always liked, like when Kurt Angle would do the ankle lock, but then he'd like twist and go down. Yeah. Like there's an ex an accelerated version of this already dangerous submission that mm-hmm. you can go into another gear with for you know this dangerous opponent. Yeah. So I like that uh, that aspect to it. I wasn't crazy about Becky Lynch tapping out here and losing this match in the. It was still a great match, and I think the end obviously justified the means, but it's kind of interesting to look at the the thinking that went into booking this match. I guess you wanted to put Becky in a prominent match beyond advertising her for the Royal Rumble. Um, you mean the, the idea why this was created? I, I think, the, yeah, I think that's... As opposed that's, to just putting Asuka with another opponent well, and Becky is I advertised think, for the Rumble. I think that's part of it. The fact that they needed Becky in a big match to help sell a stadium show. Because that's what I thought. She's the hottest product in the company right now. Um, but, you know, 
to have Becky tap, I could only say that maybe the idea was because they felt like Asuka really needed it. You know, she's somebody with the with the championship, but has really felt like second, third fiddle to Charlotte and uh, and Becky this entire month. So. And WrestleMania, that is going to be the clear-cut B title. Absolutely. So I think elevating her by giving her a strong win in a strong match here, which I thought was actually really good against Becky Lynch, the hottest person in the company, I thought did really well for Asuka. And I didn't have as much of a problem with it because... By the end of the night, we would have probably forgotten about Becky tapping, right? With her rumble win. Yeah, I don't think... I just feel that if you were to lay this scenario out... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm it's not risky, a, for sure. Yeah, when yeah. you're saying Becky is the hottest woman, mm-hmm. and we got, and this is like throwing Asuka a bone, I would be concerned that, is that cooling off Becky to enhance someone that is not our number one person going mm-hmm. into Mania? I don't think that was the end result on this. Yeah. I don't think it was um, I think harmful, yeah. but... I think they're very, very confident in Becky. And, you know, this this also mm-hmm. potentially sets up a rematch between these two later on. That's true. Yeah. yeah you can go there but, um, you know, at some point. I thought a really good match. Um, I, I thought say, this was one of the better matches on the mm-hmm. show. Just I oh, I was really uh, turned off by that that spot just because it was, you know, sure. the woman's coming off a concussion and it yeah. just uh, that kind of thing can take you out I of mean, a match. I feel like that's half this roster. Everybody's coming off uh, concussions, but certainly a little bit sloppy at points. You know, I'm not going to excuse a lot of that, but nonetheless, I thought throughout throughout it, an exciting match with some pretty intricate spots that were pretty well executed. Um, I actually liked the finish with the, with the extra bridge. I did too. So, um, the grapple app rated this particular match 3.86. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I would. Yeah. I can see that. That's, uh, in in line next up Sheamus and Cesaro against The Miz and Shane McMahon for the Smackdown tag titles I definitely felt this belonged on the pre-show uh, I, I think it wouldn't have I hurt I don't think this match belonged period well, on, 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 on any show but... was this the worst match on the show mm, I uh, okay define worse like, like poorly wrestled or poorly reacted to oh well that's it's, they're two different things. But uh, for my enjoyment, I, I did think this was the worst. I, I thought that this... Well, not including the kickoff, I guess. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't include... Uh, yeah, the kickoff, I think, though, the first two matches were kind of at mm-hmm. the, the bottom. Though, yeah, let, let's just go through this for sure. match first. Uh, the Miz's father was in the front row, which I found entertaining that, you know, his, his father has shown up before for his matches. But I like the fact that, you know, the idea his father came here to the show... Because his favorite wrestler, Shane McMahon, is Did wrestling. Did they explain that? They didn't say that, but that was all part of Mrs. Promo. And I right. wish the announcers kind of hit this, that like he's here to see Shane McMahon, not to see his son. Right. Because his, okay. his dad is the big Shane McMahon fan, and that's why Miz wants to partner with him. Well, uh, dads are very much like part of this entire storyline. The reason why these two team together. So the fact that he was so focused on, I'm sure, is something that they'll hit on. Maybe something that the announcer should have touched on a bit more. Shane started the match with a double leg takedown onto Sheamus, who was pissed that he was taken down. And they placed Cesaro onto the announcer's desk. Again, Shane teased his climb, and Sheamus attacked the Miz, saving Cesaro. So Shane instead hit this huge flying clothesline onto Sheamus on the floor. He got he gets incredible height on this. That flying clothesline was nuts. He does, yeah. They get the advantage on the Miz for a long period of time. And Sh- Shane's jumping is great. I think he does a great job. Yes. Unfortunately, he crashes at times and hurts himself. Well, and unfortunately, he decides, like, he he doesn't just rely on his jumping in his matches. Instead, he relies on his MMA, uh, vast array of MMA knowledge, which we'll talk about. Yes, his striking is like you're watching a jump cut. Uh, 
they got the advantage on The Miz. And when The Miz has to sell as a babyface for a long period of time, it grinds things to a halt. Luckily, he made the... He made the hot tag to the muscle of the team. Big bad Shane That's came in. That's how Shane was positioned, yeah. And he was the hot tag. Batting in the cleanup position, Shane McMahon strikes. Oh, yeah. And he was going for some home runs, and he was waffling. Shane must think he looks like great when he's doing this stuff. Like in his mind, he must think he looks incredible. Yeah, it's got to be like a weird episode of like Shane McMahon's Black Mirror where he yeah. goes home and he rewatches his matches and yeah. he sees something we don't. He's like, oh, look at that. They're so fast. They're so quick. Uh -huh. They look real. So, I mean, they're consistently shit. They're never like they never it's deviate. Because they're like, always awful. That's why I'm so surprised that they're focused on it and like featured as much as they are. You know, like this is his spot. Yeah, it's almost, it's it's like he just goes by these different rules. I don't know what it is. Like, it's, it's just... delusional. So he sets up both of them for the coast-to-coast -coast drop kick. Mm -hmm. Cesaro catches them in midair and does the giant swing and just keeps going and going and going. Does Shane get vertigo? No. He gets a triangle and applies it to Cesaro. And... God. I mean, Way, who didn't want to say anything to me, even he couldn't keep his comments to himself here as he's just like, what the hell is this? It's got to be like Phil Nurse, like telling him, you're doing great, Shane. Like, you're doing great. Are you, did you sign up for another month? Great, man. That looks great. That triangle looks awesome. Oh, my God. Seamus broke it up with a flying knee as a purple belt himself here was uh, just... A, is he a so, purple belt? Um, I have no idea what he is. Um... Seamus missed a brogue kick and hit his partner, Cesaro, allowing The Miz to take out Seamus with the skull-crushing finale. Shane McMahon climbs to the top, and he hits a shooting star press onto Cesaro, pinning Cesaro at 13 minutes and 12 and 21 seconds. Shane and Miz win the SmackDown tag titles. Hey, I gotta say, he nailed that shooting star He press. did. He yeah. did. This Especially looked like it was right out of... Um, uh, video game. One of the THQ games. Like, yeah. it was a beautiful-looking shooting star press. Especially at his age. You know? Yeah, he's 49. Yeah, absolutely. But everything prior to that, I thought was very, very average or just simply bad. I think the positioning of Shane McMahon as this dominant muscle wrestler is very difficult for me to buy. I mean, I can accept him as the backyard wrestler who jumps off of high things. I cannot take him as the cleanup man in a, in a team of actually trained professional wrestler wrestlers like like he's booked closer to the undertaker than yes. most guys on yes. this roster yes. raw or smackdown he is protected he is kept up for big shows only the matches are catered to him yeah it's everyone else sells for him they put him over yeah. like he is the closest thing to the undertaker uh barring maybe brock lesnar complete with the mma move set you know like I, I, yeah. I just i can't take the mma repertoire like shane mcmahon thinking that he is this because he he's taken fantasy camp with with like ufc coaches that he all of a sudden thinks he he can incorporate this stuff convincingly into his repertoire so they win the tag titles they don't go with the split here at the rumble instead they'll have this run with the tag titles and do you still foresee the split or do you think maybe they'll the find something here with this babyface tag team? Uh, the split, I, I, I'm, I'm almost positive, is coming. I just don't know when. Maybe they'll take it all the way to Mania. Yeah. So, I, I mean, again, I, I've i enjoyed the, the story of Shane yeah. McMahon and Miz. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, the match didn't do much for me. I would go uh, 
1.75. The Am app, I being generous? No. Oh. No, you're not. Uh, the app voted 2.64. 2.64? Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that was a hell of a shooting star for us. <laughs> hey, for his part, I thought Cesaro especially was very good. I'm guessing and that's the bulk of the rating. I thought, I thought you know, he understood what his role was here, and he was perfect for it. Yeah. Um, and the audience really popped for the finish at the yes, end. Like yes, they were yes. into this title change at the end with because of the story behind it. They celebrated with Mrs. Dad, handed him the titles, and then we went to just the the, the best interview of all time. Charlie Caruso is interviewing Sasha Banks. Okay, this is this is not pre-tape from earlier today. This is not at access. This is as Sasha is getting ready to go to the gorilla position and go out for her world championship match one could argue the biggest match of her career with mm-hmm. ronda rousey and charlie says that there's some people out there who believe you will fail what do you think about this well, sasha disagreed i was shocked mm-hmm. and she said that she has a different outlook and she's going to tap out ronda rousey like what what, what a stupid interview yeah if if it was like a mean Gene Okerlund, how do you like? How, do you think he would have phrased this differently? You know. Yes. Yeah, I think so too. Yes. So what's stopping somebody like a Charlie? I mean, uh, I, well, I, why am I even asking this? But why? The, why these they people write, are not. Why would they write this for their interviewer? Oh, I know. And it was like I I, I felt it was like uh, I, I felt bad on Saturday that. I'm sure Sam Roberts got so much flack for his for the Bianca Belair bit that they did. And it was like, direct your anger to the right source. This is not Sam Roberts going off on him on Bianca Belair out of nowhere. Like these are mm-hmm. these are the directions. It is like these this, these are the people that are carrying out the story. So these are not the people that are you know furiously researching and coming up with their own questions. Um, they're just in these roles. But it's just like what a silly interview. Ronda Rousey, Sasha Banks for the Raw Women's title. And they start off and they are both like just playing these cocky characters that are just trying to one-up the other. Uh, You have Banks, who is just, what a tremendous heel she was at the beginning here. And Ronda was kind of out-healing her at some points too, because I felt like she was trying to show up Sasha, that I could see the divide in the crowd as well. Right, yeah. Uh, I I think from both of their, their perspectives, maybe maybe less heelish and more like just kind of bravado. Yeah, no, I took yeah. it as these are two rivals yeah. that are obsessed with beating the other to mm-hmm. be the best. It was a great dynamic. Rousey went for the three amigos, and she even did Sasha's little like uh, signature pose. Crowd and, did not like her doing the three amigos. No, they did not at all. They chanted for Eddie, and then they were like, "Damn you for." incorporating Eddie Guerrero's move. Mm-hmm. Only Sasha is allowed use of this. Banks hit a suicide dive into an arm drag as she landed it. And then Rousey goes to punch her on the floor, misses and hits the ring post, which is becoming a spot that is becoming very, very prevalent in pro wrestling. They yeah. punch the post. Spot. They even uh, shut the LED screen on the post. Oh, yeah. because she hit it so hard. Yeah. Oh, wow. She, that happens because she knocked its lights out. Banks attacked the right arm. And this was Rousey's uh, limb to sell throughout the entire match. Rousey rolled into the Piper's pit, but it was countered into an armbar by Sasha, who is pulling back on the fingers of Rousey and then moved to the bank statement. Rousey gets to the rope. Then Banks is trying a Kimura, all her offense centered around the arm. 
Then Sasha goes for another suicide dive. Rousey blocks it and applies the armbar on the floor, causing Sasha to tap, but they're outside, so it doesn't count. So now we have both women selling their arms. Mm-hmm. We have two women and two working arms. Yep. And Banks keeps coming up with counters, then applies the bank statement, and she has part of her ring gear that she's put around the mouth of Ronda and he's yanking back on. Rousey escapes, goes for a Fujiwara armbar into a gut wrench suplex, and then Rousey rolls out. She finally hits Piper's pit after several unsuccessful attempts, and with Piper's pit, she pins Sasha Banks, 13 minutes, 48 seconds, and they left it open that she did not beat her with the armbar. Even with the bad arm, it was... Like, Ronda got the win, but this was a pinfall win. She did not submit Sasha Banks. So I really like that, that you kind of left this element open, that you beat her, but you didn't tap her. Okay. Hey, I think to me, To me, I, I think those two things are, are equal. You know, a, a pinfall loss and, and, a, and a tap out. But when was Ronda's last pinfall win? Like, she taps sure. everybody. Okay. So I think it's notable because she's always... Hasn't she won with the with the Piper's Pit in the past? I'm sure there's been a time or two she's won with it, but I kind of like the idea they didn't do the armbar here, especially considering that, um, well, she had tapped her on the floor where it didn't yeah. count. But um, I, I thought a strong match. I liked it. I thought a really excellent match. I, I actually felt like this had more heat in the crowd than Becky versus Asuka. Um and I thought it was the best Sasha Banks match we've seen in a long time. Oh, probably I mean, since what the Charlotte matches. I I I'm trying to think back to those Charlotte matches, and I but don't she hasn't know had any like, lengthy matches for yeah. quite a while. And and certainly to me, like nothing that really exhibited this type of mean streak and this type of creativity, like yeah. the, the spots with the the joint manipulation and also the using her clothes. She was great. Like I haven't seen the Sa- Sasha since the Bailey matches in NXT. So I thought it really managed to showcase Sa- Sasha's submission. <laughs> Man, what a tongue twister! Showcase Sasha's submission knowledge really well. Um, some great transitions involved in this, and I thought Ronda's selling was also very effective throughout this match too. So overall. I thought it was very exciting. Some sloppiness here and there, just like the other women's match, but it didn't take away from the energy or story of the match at all. Yeah, I thought both women's title matches were very strong parts of the show. Uh, I rated this match just like the other women's match at about 3.75. The grapple lap rated it 3.6. Okay. They shook hands after the match, and they were doing the mutual respect, and then on the floor, Rousey's going to leave, and Sasha flashes her the four fingers and walks off. Damn. All right. So, I mean, I don't, sometimes, like, they keep that in the back of everyone's mind, the Mm -hmm. the four horsewomen feud. Um, I mean, I... Well, the the big question, of course, is um, Jessamine Duke and Marina Shafir. Right, yeah. I mean, they are not ready for the main roster. If the idea, and I think storyline-wise, it makes no sense at the moment to pair... Charlotte and Becky together. Yeah. Even in uh, working together. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if this was just like a throwaway thing to just keep that in the back of people's minds. But if if you believe that Ronda's taking an extended sabbatical after WrestleMania, um, I don't know if I'd want them to just like shoehorn this into one of these pay-per-views coming up before WrestleMania. Like it's just, let's just get it done now. Mm -hmm. Um, But maybe they feel, we don't know when she'll be back. So... Let's just do it. And it's not, it doesn't mean we're calling up Duke and Shafir. It's just horsewomen versus horsewomen. And that's a big match for, you know, the March pay-per-view where you might not have a hook like Elimination Chamber. At least you have that. 
Yeah, I think personally, it probably needs at least another year for you know the, those two to really develop, and hopefully by then all the stars will align. But maybe they won't. Maybe they might Ronda. be concerned. Maybe the stars are not going to align, and yeah. we don't know if we'll have these eight bodies all together at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like who knows what'll happen a year from now. So maybe they just want to get it uh, out of there. But anyway, prominent part of the post match. So then we go to our first of two Royal Rumble matches uh, this year. It's the women's match that is up first, closing with the men's match. And to Way's delight, as he informed everyone this week, I've only got two ears, but we have four voices. Tom Phillips, Corey Graves, Renee Young, and Beth Phoenix. I didn't find a a lot of people were aggravated by Corey Graves. Um, I didn't think Jerry Lawler added a whole lot in the Rumble match. I didn't think JBL added a whole lot. Hey, ideally, I want two people calling a match. I can settle with three, four. I just go to a default, and I'm kind of tuned out. Well, I do. I, I I do think they do a good job of laying low and letting you know other people talk. You don't mm-hmm. really get too many instances of people talking over each other. Uh, I actually like Beth on commentary here. I thought she was able to add a lot of personal kind of. Uh, uh, you know, she was in the Rumble last year, so she could personally speak about a lot of the participants. She did the the Mayhem Classic, so mm-hmm. so so she had a lot to say there. But Lawler, I don't think added anything to the to the group. Lawler's just got his same rehashed, like switching his pick of the winner each time someone shows up that he thinks is a favorite. Like had nothing to say about the NXT people. No, you know, I mean, he's not watching NXT. I don't yeah, even know if he's JBL. watching Raw and SmackDown. Mm-hmm. So the women's match, number one was Lacey Evans, who came out cutting a promo that they'd witness history, and she's here to clean up the women's division. And she got a lengthy stay in this Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. Number two was Natalia, who had an even longer um, stay. I believe it clocked in at 55 minutes and change for Natalia. She probably, was in this probably long. More, probably more than that, because 55 was Sasha's record last year. I believe so. they said 55 or 56 minutes is how right. long she was in it. So it was long. And the women's match was very long, much mm-hmm. longer than the men's match was. Um, at the beginning, some really rough stuff. Evans lost her balance, and then she botched a kip-up, and they were back-to-back. And the first one was right as Corey Graves was putting over her athleticism, so it was just ill-timed. Uh, she did hit this moonsault off the top, but... I would say definitely you would have your reservations about her. Like they put her out here in a big spot for a long amount of time. Mm -hmm. And like, let's be honest, this rumble match will probably be remembered for the final 10 minutes, but the first uh, 60, you know, they, it, this match had a lot of its challenges. I imagine they're, they're, they're with somebody like Lacey Evans are very much in in love with maybe the character. and, And I think her presence and her height and her ability to cut a promo under this character. I think the fact she was put in number one, Confirms like that she so. is the Elias of, I guess, this division at this point. Yeah, it, that's interesting. In ring, you know, there's st- there's certainly still maybe a lot of uh, development to be had. I think that was that was clear here, um, and you know what? I think that this sh- showcased the the depth of some of the women. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, we'll go through some of the highlights here. Mandy Rose was in third, Liv Morgan fourth, followed by Mickey James, Ember Moon, and then Billy Kay. And Billy Kay came out, and she refused to enter the ring until her partner, Peyton Royce, came out to the ring, and she'd be there several spots later. Nikki Cross was out eighth and got a pretty good reaction. She shoved Billy Kay down on the floor and then took out everybody with a big cross body. And then number nine was Peyton Royce, as they were now in the ring. 
Tamina was in 10th. She entered and delivered Samoan drops to a bunch of the women and then hit a splash off the top onto Nikki Cross. And the first elimination was Tamina dumping out Mickey James with a super kick. Number 11 was Zia Lee, who was in the Mae Young Classic last year from China. And she was flipped by Tamina and then stumbled upon landing here. And yeah, I mean, I, I think they designed a, a, a big, like, athletic uh, whole thing for her. Yeah. I thought her strikes looked looked really good, you know. I think she has a lot of potential. Yeah, she's a Kung Fu student. I think she's been training for, like, more than a couple years now. She was fun to watch in the Mae Young Classic. So, uh, Uh, she's just someone that needs more time. Unfortunately, this flip did not stick perfectly. Mm -hmm. And as a result, I think the crowd kind of just felt a bit flat for that reaction. This is a really big stage. And sometimes you're putting out people that are not quite ready. And it's... um. It was an interesting choice that they went with her of like all the people at the performance center because she's not somebody who's really had any, any prominent storylines in NXT. No, she's not even on TV. Not even had matches? Like the Mae Young Classic yeah. she had. but she's, she had like some like like basically like jobber matches on the show? Uh, I mean, she's probably appeared once or twice. Like, no storylines then. Basically. Yeah, nothing and, like that. And she's not like a regular character or anything, just doing probably house shows. Yeah, so, so the fact it. that they decided to call her up for this particular match, I found it pretty interesting. Uh, Sarah Logan was in number 12 and Cross was seated on the top and got shoved down to the floor by the Iconics. So Cross is out. 13th was Charlotte Flair. And I've got to say with the way this rumble was going, Charlotte was a welcome addition at this point in the match. Uh, Evans knocked out both members of the Iconics and then Lee was knocked off the apron by Charlotte. Um, 14th was Kyrie Sane coming in. And also interesting to note here is that they didn't go to any women from the past. It was all, um, yeah. It was all people under contract from well, the PC, I'm really, NXT, NXT UK. I'm really happy about that because I thought over the past year between, um, you know, the various battle royals with the women that they've had, they pretty much exhausted, I think, their their Rolodex of, you know, mm-hmm. former employees as much as they have. More importantly, much of that Rolodex just simply can't perform. Last year's Rumble, I thought, was severely dragged down by the likes of, like, you know, your Tory Wilsons and whatnot. So why do that when you can use this same time to feature some of your very uh, up-and-coming stars in the Performance Center? Yeah, I think there's a, a healthy balance. Like, one or two is is nice. I, I felt the men's one was fine, just with Jarrett, and that was it. And you get the nostalgia pop, because I think you have trained the audience to expect it now, that you should deliver at least one. I also feel, though... I think with the men, it's a little different because you have so much more to choose from. And I think more colorful characters to choose from. Whereas I think with the women, like the the like the the number of characters that I think come from the past are quite limited, you know? It, it's a smaller batch, but there are some there. Um who else is left? You know, Victoria comes in and does does something quick. Sure. Okay. Um, you know, they're, they're there. I'm just yeah. saying it's it's also it's anyone from the past. They're getting a pop. You know what I mean? They went nuts Not, for Jeff Jarrett tonight. And it was like... I thought Maria Canellas would have received a bit more. You know? She's a main roster person, sure, but... Yeah, I think it's more... Appeared. Someone that, that's more unexpected than someone sure. that's on okay. the roster. Uh, so Kyrie Sane comes in, and Charlotte eliminates Tamina. Then Kyrie Sane and Charlotte have these big chops that they exchange. Sane hits the insane elbow onto Logan, and then Sane and Natalia work together to dump out Sarah Logan. That's when Maria Kanellis came in, followed by Naomi. And this was one of my favorite spots of either Rumble. Naomi delivers a head kick to Mandy Rose on the apron, eliminating her rival. So then Rose takes her off of the apron and is teasing like a power bomb to the floor. But Naomi backs down and does a handstand. And then 
like adjusts and kicks Mandy Rose while on like with this handstand. It looks tremendous. She balances on the barricade, kicks herself over to the steps and saves herself. That part was great enough. But then as she's on the steps, she's reached the safety. Mandy just pulls her off and she's eliminated. This was like my favorite part of this women's battle royal. Like the, the ending was good, but this was maybe my favorite creative spot of either Rumble. It was excellent. It really was. Uh, I was on the edge of my seat the entire time that Naomi was doing all this because the fraction of error was so small that uh like any anybody in the ringside that barricade was shaky so her walking along it was crazy her taking a, a a big deep breath before she made that final jump from the barricade to the steps uh had me incredibly incredibly nervous and all the to set up that heat getting spot from oh, Andy at the end. That was just great. It was perfect. As good as any of Kofi Kingston's big rumble moments. And on this show, maybe the best one. I thought it last year. It was confirmed tonight. I think Naomi has taken that torch from Kofi Kingston. And oh, to be be, honest, being challenged. I think Casey Catanzaro might be taken from Naomi because sure. what she is probably going to be able yeah. to do is probably at a different level. Um, so anyway, just really great. During this sequence um, of events, Evans was eliminated by Charlotte and Lacey. They left her out there for 30 minutes. So mm-hmm. I would expect that they are going to go pretty heavy with her. That yeah. seems to be my impression. Candice LeRae was our next surprise at 17, followed by Alicia Fox. And Maria Canellis tried to form an alliance with Fox, but then took her captain's hat and stomped on it. And Alicia threw a tantrum and then eliminated Maria Canellis. Uh, this yep. is, I didn't know what was going on here. Uh, it was a lot of stuff that didn't work. I think Maria, to me, did not look all that impressive in this rumble. But um, it, it, we're, we're at a stage now where I think everybody has to be a certain level of wrestler in order to, you know, be taken seriously. And she seems like somebody kind of from a different era. Um, to me, none of this stuff really resonated at all. Casey uh, Catanzaro was next, and she came in to just do all her gymnastic spots. Yep. And she did this amazing twisting head scissors from the apron, rotating in midair to Alicia Fox. You know, she is super green if you watch the Mae Young Classic, but I look at like where she'll be in 18 to 24 months, and she's, she's rico- she could be outstanding. She's going to be a female ricochet, um, you know, or, uh, interestingly enough. I think they're dating. <laughs> So, um, yeah, she's fantastic. I, and you you kind of contrast her to Candice LeRae, who we all know is great. But unfortunately, when she comes out just to this brand new audience, she didn't get much of a reaction. I a think. lot of the NXT people. And it's more so of the women than the men, but um, especially the ones that are not featured characters on NXT. Yeah. Like, they came out to crickets. Yeah, like, you know, the, I, I, um, her her style, I think, maybe takes a bit more to to kind of really stand out to you, whereas somebody like a Casey Catanzaro immediately stands out with yeah. what she could do. I don't think anyone knew her coming out, but she instantly got herself over. Mm-hmm. And what, one positive is that for not every case, but most of the NXT people that had spots, they all got something. Like they, they were mindful of giving them something rather than just being cannon fodder for the main roster talent. Mm-hmm. Zelina Vega was 20th and she ended up getting the comedy role where she would hide underneath the ring. And we'll get to that later. Ruby Riot was 21st and she came out with Logan and Morgan who had since been eliminated. And they started just going to town on people where they would attack them on the floor, send them into Ruby who could dump them out. And 
this is when Vega is underneath the ring. Riot threw Alicia Fox out. Then she threw Candice LeRae out. And uh, then Dana Brooke came in, number 22. This is where Riot caught Sane by the legs, shoved her down, and Sane went face first onto the floor, uh, being eliminated. Uh, they were very sad to see Kyrie Sane gone. Io Shirai was 23rd, and Shirai went after the Riot squad on the floor. Then she climbed to the top and hit a moonsault, and I wanted a ruling on this. I guess this meant she had not entered the ring yet, and mm. therefore this moonsault did not eliminate her, because she almost had her Mil Mascaris moment. Yeah, I would consider the—they could get away with this one, because I consider like, the top turnbuckle to be kind of like the apron. That's you know? right. Like you haven't stepped into the ring, sure. so you are still not in the field of play. Yeah, I guess. So anyway, she was not eliminated, uh, and they were going really hard between like the the uh, Kyrie Sane and Nero Shirai tandem going up against the the Riot Squad. So I it, I hope that these two are going to be in that elimination yeah. chamber match. I mean, I I haven't heard that, but I would I think that's a natural to put those two in. They're teasing it on Twitter as well. Yeah, that would be great. So and you could have them feud with the Riot Squad and. Like, the Riot Squad should be should have a, a team in there, too. Oh, yeah. Of course. Rhea Ripley was 24th. She came out. Dana Brooks sent uh, Casey Catanzaro to the floor, but her feet didn't touch. So she did a handstand and got to the post, climbed back in, and the audience applauded. I thought this was maybe one too many of the near-elimination spots. It's like, sure. this was our second. second of three. Yeah. Second of three. But I thought this one was really impressive, too. When it first happened, I was like, oh, man, come on. Naomi just did this. But then, like, she, like, handstands, handstand walks all the way to the thing and does that, like, spider, like, flip up to the post. It was impressive. I thought very impressive. Uh, Ripley then just lifted and dumped her for real for the real elimination. Mm -hmm. Sonya Deville was out 25th. Uh, This was when Ripley dropkicked Dana Brooke off the apron and she's out. So Selena Vega comes from underneath the ring and is laughing at Dana Brooke. And then Hornswoggle pops out from underneath the ring and chases after Zelina Vega, who runs into the ring, gets eliminated by Rhea Ripley, and Hornswoggle chases Vega to the back. Yeah. Yep. Was Did that suffice for a surprise from the past for you? Oh, I guess that, that was another surprise from the past. We yeah. have Hornswoggle and Jeff Jarrett. Hornswoggle, yeah. Imagine sitting down. It's like, okay, these are our ideas. We only have two. We, we can, only have two. We can get everybody, anybody in the industry that we want. Anybody, just about anybody in the industry that's <laughs> not under a contract will do this for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, 26 was Alexa Bliss, who came out to a monstrous reaction. Babyface reaction. She, yeah. yeah, really big. And Bliss eliminates Sonya Deville when she gets in. Bailey was out 27th. She caught Ruby Ride in the corner, clotheslined her out. And they booked Bailey pretty strong here at the end. 28th was Lana. She comes out. She's selling her ankle from the pre-show injury. And she can't make it down to the aisle. She is just being checked on by the officials and just laying there. And they start chanting for Becky Lynch. 29th is Nia Jax. She comes out. She attacks Lana on the way to the ring. And then in the ring, Natalia tries to lift her, but is stopped. And Nia throws out Natalia, who they listed here was in for 56 minutes. So that would be the new women's record, I guess. Cool. And good spot for Nia Jax to eliminate Natalia after mm-hmm. the long run. And then 30th is Carmella. And she comes out, but Becky Lynch storms out and the place goes nuts. There's Lana laying down. She can't enter the match. And Becky is asking Fit Finley to replace her. And he's she's pleading. And general manager Fit Finley, just having seen his son uh, chase off Zelina Vega, 
his head is just not in the right place, allows Becky Lynch to replace Lana, our authority figure, Fit Finley. I think he, I think he would be a great authority figure for the women's divisions. I think there's like a real life credibility. There's to a it. there's a connection there. Yeah. So, um, sure, why not? Um, I would have been fine with Becky just storming in and. I yeah. like the fact she, that they she's not the character that asks it. for permission. Oh. Well, I guess the main event you didn't really need permission either. Right like the the men's rumble. No. Yeah. No, you didn't. Sure. So anyway, she's in the ring. Everyone was expecting it. Uh Bliss and Moon battled on the the edge. Ember Moon was in this for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um you know, she didn't really have a lot of big moments. Yeah. She was just there for a long time. Yeah, I wouldn't really have thought about it at the end of this. So eventually Alexa sweeps out her leg and eliminates Ember. Bailey then ran Bliss to the ropes with a power slam and Carmella assisted. They dumped out Alexa Bliss. Kind of a anticlimactic elimination for someone that, mm-hmm. you know, if you're taking out Charlotte and Becky, might have been some people's pick to win the whole thing. So not a not a big elimination for her or even set anything up. So it's down to Charlotte, Becky, and Nia Jax. Charlotte got Nia onto the edge, and then Becky pulled her down from the floor, eliminating Nia. So we've got Charlotte and Becky, and the place is going nuts for these two. These are the two that they saw, they pegged as the favorites, and it's down to them. But Nia sends Becky off the apron, and Becky's knee is destroyed. She's not eliminated. She hobbles back into the ring, and she's refusing to quit. Charlotte goes after the knee. She's stomping on it and won't let up. Becky fights back, and Charlotte gets sent onto the apron after missing a boot and a punch decks Charlotte and sends her out. 71 minutes and 11 seconds, Becky Lynch wins the Royal Rumble. And again, this is going to come down to how people viewed the final 5 to 10 minutes, which I thought were clearly the strength of the Rumble. Mm -hmm. Um you did have the Mandy Rose Naomi moment. Uh, I, I would say the vast majority of this Rumble was not really at past Royal Rumble levels, but you got the big finish at the end, and I think that's ultimately the goal of the match. And yet, a big babyface win for Becky Lynch. So, mission accomplished for what you set out. Yeah, yeah. Um, certainly, like there's a big chunk in the middle there where I felt the crowd's indifference to maybe just a lot of characters that, for the most part are mid to undercard characters that you normally wouldn't even see on most Raws or SmackDowns. Um, So I think by the end, everybody was waiting for your Charlottes and your uh, Becky Lynch's and your Nia Jax's to really interact with each other. But the moment that that happened, this match, I thought, became tremendous. It was certainly much better than last year's, I think, largely due to the fact that you relied on on a lot more performance center talent for surprises rather than... um, you know, uh, I would say legends, quote unquote. I thought it was a great performance for uh, Becky Lynch. They built up to her arrival wonderfully. They made that audience vocally demand for it. And even after she arrived, they played with those expectations of whether or not she would win really damn well. Uh, Great performance, I thought, from Charlotte Flair. To me, they've really now embraced her as a heel, at least in this match. Becky is an excellent babyface, but I think so much of her success is tied to the fact that her other half is Charlotte, who in this match was full-on heel. That maniacal grin she had when Becky injured her leg, I thought Charlotte was, was great. great in this match. Uh, I thought good job from Nia as well throughout the entire evening. I think this match would have been significantly worse if Charlotte wasn't in for... She was in this for like 40 minutes. Sure. And she was a welcome addition when she came in. I, I go, I go three, three and a quarter on this. I wasn't as high I, on it. 
Yeah, the the Grapple app agreed with you uh, at three. Sorry, two point nine four. I went as high as four with this, and much of my reaction was probably largely due to my excitement of seeing that climactic finish. Um, it was I, really well done at the end. I thought some really great showcases for Kate, Casey Kenzaro, and I thought Rhea, Rhea Ripley as well looked really great here. So, unfortunately, when you do a 71-minute match in the middle of your main card, it's not a great spot to be the next matchup, even if you are Daniel Bryan or AJ Styles, which would have been my match to pick to follow such a lengthy match and think that they would not have an issue, but... Match begins, and it is pretty apparent that this audience is spent. Mm-hmm. And I I think it was a combination of following that last match and the just the drama of Becky winning at the end, yep. but also knowing we've got another one of those and another title match still to come. And that's pretty daunting. And the style of this match. You know, these you guys, knew this wasn't going to be 10 or 12 minutes. These guys decided to, you know, for better or worse, go with kind of your standard slow pace to start before ramping it up in the main event. I also would say that this feud, you know, as much as I think Daniel Bryan has been killing it as a character, the feud itself is not all that hot. It takes two to, to, to you know, make a very exciting feud. And I don't think AJ has really been pulling his weight. I, I thought this was more a victim of circumstance than it was an indictment of the performers or the feud but also like you bring up the point about the style of match and i noted that too that you know when you're working a stadium it's it is a different psychology to working a stadium and they were doing so much like intricate submissions and working of the uh, of the arm specifically of aj's as well and then you know weakening the leg of brian that you know, sometimes in an arena setting, like that stuff can translate a lot better than mm-hmm. a stadium where you're just further out and some of the more intricate stuff, like the loudest they got was Brian doing the big kicks, like bi- very big visual offense that everyone can get behind. Whereas the Sasha Ronda match, that was also working body part, but they were doing bigger movements. It was, but yeah, I think a much, much more exaggerated movements. You had like dives to the floor as well. Um, and, and I think... To, better placement on the card with two big personalities, especially with, with Ronda as well. I mean, it was, you do have two key personalities here, but I I think it was just a combination of numerous factors that led to a match where the audience was on their hands for most of this. Like that, there was no denying that. And it was a very long match, which was kind of compounded by the finish to this. But um, so early on, Styles is thrown into the post shoulder first, and that is the focus of Brian's attack. He is attacking the shoulder, attacking the arm. Brian hits a dragon suplex right onto the neck of Styles, and then Styles catches him on the ropes on the turnbuckle and teases the Styles clash, like how he beat uh, Tatsuya Naito. And Brian avoids that. They go to the floor. Brian hits a reverse DDT, and then Springboard 450 lands on the knees of Brian. Brian applies the label lock. Styles escapes. He's going for the calf crusher, and Brian is making it to the rope. Styles hit the bloody Sunday, went for a springboard, and then Brian kicked the wrist to stop him. And Styles was selling the left arm, and he couldn't do the springboard. So he just climbed the rope normally instead of doing the springboard, which I, I thought his selling was very good. And then we're like 22 minutes into this. Eric Rowan walks down. You have never heard... Uh, such a lukewarm response to a return. He just walks down and everyone is just, oh. I think everybody was just confused. You know, what does he have to do with anything? The last, Vintner. Last we saw him, he he was a bludgeon brother. 
And now he's been off developing Bella Wine. I guess so. So yeah. he's ringside. The referee gets knocked down. He comes out, by the way, in flannel. Yes. And a Charlie Manson shirt, we should say. Was he wearing a Charlie Manson shirt? That's what it looked like. Oh, okay. The referee was knocked down. So Rowan comes in and choke slams AJ Styles, allowing Daniel Bryan to pin him. 24 minutes and 32 seconds were required mm-hmm. to get to this finish. Mm-hmm. There was no excuse for that. Like, no. I, I'm sure they had their match plotted out, but you're timing out this show, and maybe the women's rumble went longer than it was supposed to, but this could have been 16, and I think people would have been much more forgiving, especially when you're giving them a finish like this. This is not the end of the feud, and you go 25 minutes after you're following that, when you know what's still to come, it's a real big ask for people to get into a match 25 minutes and give them a finish like that. So I, I thought this... This was disappointing given who it was. Yeah. This was a match that the audience never got into one beat, one bit, and um, a very weak finish to top it off. I thought the match itself was fine, but there were no spots that were big enough to really catch your attention. In hindsight, I wonder how Ronda Sasha would have fared in this spot instead. And, you know, yeah, it might have been a struggle for them too. I mean, well, I think, Ronda I think ha- with a different crowd, this is a much better receiving match. But I think Ronda has more star power than both of these men. And I think their style was a bit more faster paced than I think what we saw here. I like the pairing of Rowan here with Brian though, as his muscle. I think adding muscle to uh, Brian in the form of, you know, either Rowan or Har- Harper or even the both of them, I think just makes Brian feel like that much more of a cult leader. So I like it, but I thought the introduction here in this type of setting at this time was pretty bad. Do you think he'll get Luke Harper as well? Yeah, possibly. Possibly. Maybe Bray too. It'll be the reverse. Now Brian's Mm. the leader. I mean, I think it'd be more interesting. Get to use those furry boots again. Yeah. Grapple rated this 2.75. 2.75. I I mean, they tried. I mean, it was, um, you know, they worked hard, but it was just um, this. It just didn't work for the crowd at all. Then we have Brock Lesnar, Finn Balor for the universal title. Balor comes out in his regular attire. No demon. No demon. And he comes out like a house of fire here, running drop kick, and he's attacking Lesnar from the get-go, and then is caught with a belly-to-belly suplex and is sent to the floor. Balor then pops off the shoulders, and he runs Lesnar into the corner of the announcer's desk. Mm-hmm. And Pretty original. I've never yeah, seen he pushes him again, and it's like his side going in, and I'm always squeamish about stuff like that. Like, oh, you're going to rupture something. He, and Corey Graves brings up his history with diverticulitis. He was targeting the diverticulitis. Oh, imagine yeah. the demon. Like, he could do, go Papa Shango on Damn. him and, you know, give him a appendicitis. Wow. Balor continues with kicks to the midsection and took Lesnar down with a sling blade. Then Lesnar responded and killed this dude with a clothesline. Balor countered with a DDT, fired up again on Lesnar, hit two Topecon heroes. Place is going nuts. This crowd is awake and they're cheering for Balor. And I think that was a real credit because of you go up and down this card of the foregone conclusions, Brock Lesnar winning might have been the biggest one. Mm -hmm. And they were all behind Finn Balor here as he's hitting these dives. Finn Balor, the man and not the demon. That's it. He's the... uh, extraordinary man the ordinary man that does extraordinary things like wake up this crowd after five hours balor hits the coup de gras lesnar kicks out place is going insane and as lesnar kicks out he grabs the arm kimura is applied 
And Balor tries and tries. He can't make it. He's forced to tap out. All they needed was eight minutes and 37 seconds. This match was great. It was perfect for what it was. You can disagree about where you feel Finn Balor fits in, but at WrestleMania, Brock Lesnar is in one of the biggest matches, and this was the right finish for a guy that is going to be in a major match at WrestleMania. He gave Finn tons in this match, uh, but ultimately, he's the he is in the pecking order significantly higher than Finn Balor. I just I thought this was great. I love the fact they didn't feel the pressure to have to go 20 minutes. And they got everything they needed in eight minutes and 37 seconds. And I think that's a lesson. And it's a good reminder to fans that a title match does not mean you have to go 25 minutes. A finish can come at 8.37. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. Although I feel like they could have gone longer and this crowd wouldn't have toned toned down. They probably could have. But I, I think they... I think they peaked it perfectly, and I I didn't think he needed anything more, but you're right, they could have. I thought they did such a good job of building this up to, I mean, you know, this David Goliath stuff, I feel like has been a little bit too on the nose, but in execution in the match itself, I thought they played their parts tremendously. And, you know, I, I think Finn and Brock actually seem to have some pretty good chemistry together, as Brock seems to do with these David versus Goliath type of matches. This one was no different. Brock selling was tremendous. I thought figuring out his his weakness in um you know finding the uh corner of the table targeting the the stomach and bringing up the diverticulitis was brilliant and was a great equalizer for Finn and it made Finn ultimately look really good. The suplexes afterwards um I guess questionable, but at the same time I ultimately see them doing this rematch but this but the next time with Finn Balor as the demon. Yeah, they had Lesnar attack him with multiple Germans and an F5 after the match, which, yeah, if they're going to a rematch, I guess I can see that. Um, I didn't think it was necessary. I thought the point was made with the Kimura and kind of Lesnar being taken to his limit. I don't think he should have been, he shouldn't have had that left in him after the match, after the, the fight Ballard gave him. I think the idea was that Lesnar was so frustrated that he underestimated this guy so much that he wanted to stamp him out completely. Then maybe Lesnar's going to beat the demon. Well, that'd be a mistake. It's kind of like, I, I don't know if you can do a rematch unless that's the angle you go. I think, I, I mean, I think the demon would have to beat Brock Lesnar to establish the demon. Would they do that? We'll see. Uh, Grapple rated this 3.77. 3.77. Final match of the night, the 30-man Royal Rumble men's match. The lights go out and Elias is in the ring. Probably the best spot to put him in so he can do his pre-match stick. He appears in the ring. He's about to sing a song and he keeps delaying and delaying and then he's interrupted by Double J Jeff Jarrett who comes out. He must have uh, found his wardrobe that read 1994. He had the old Double J outfit. He looked ridiculous in this thing. More ridiculous than he did in 1994 wearing this. He had the light-up hat. He had the the suspenders with the spandex. I mean, this was... I'm amazed he had this, this outfit. Yeah. So Jarek gets on the microphone. He spells out his name. Elias said he's always interrupted by people, but Jared actually brings something to the table, and he proposes a duet... And he asks Jarrett to spell his name one more time. He turns his back and Elias decks him with a right hand. It's great. Because I was looking forward to them doing that song. Doing a song, I mean. So 
I thought this was really well done. Everyone got into yeah, this. This I audience love this a lot. loved this. And it was the only blast from the past moment. And it was Jarrett taking a guitar shot this time. Yes. Elias grabbed the guitar and broke it over Jarrett's back and eliminated him. Mm-hmm. Perfect use of a legend. This was Elias playing a heel. I wonder if it was a one night only thing. You know, I I guess I wouldn't try to look After too those deep Baron into Corbin it. losses, um he's way better as a heel. I could see them just shifting him back because the babyface stuff, it hasn't really taken. Yeah. Number three was Shinsuke Nakamura, who found himself into the match. And Elias, has he done this before, the old school? I really haven't noticed it being... I'm amazed it took him this long to come up with this. Yeah, it wasn't so much a, a, you know, what is it, club to the back. Uh, It was more like an arm drag or whatever that he did. But um, But the big thing is, before he does it, he yells, he gets the crowd to yell, walk with Elias. And then he walks. I think he has done it. I can't remember seeing him, but number four was Kurt Angle as the uh, procession of uh, people that have held TNA titles or appeared in TNA in the case of Nakamura continued. Boy, you know, last weekend, man, I would have loved to have seen Angle and Jarrett in there together. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a missed opportunity there to just for some nostalgia. Who knows about that? Well, okay. So last weekend at one of the house shows, I think it was in San Antonio, Texas. Braun Strowman is not able to do the house show. Yeah. So Baron Corbin comes out and he's running down the city or whatever, Braun Strowman. And his surprise opponent replacement is Kurt Angle. Oh. Kurt Angle comes out, gets a reaction. It's Kurt Angle. He's a surprise. Yeah. Baron Corbin wins on the house show. On the house show, they beat Kurt Angle. Oh, it tells me that they have no plans for this guy other than, you know, to use him in these occasional guest appearances, in uh, appearance spots. It's yeah. just... I knew when he came back, it was it was not going to be like they were turning the clock back to Kurt Angle mm-hmm. previously in the WWE. But I did not believe that he would be such a stepping stone. Yeah. He was nothing in this match. He was just tossed out with like no thought by Nakamura. He was in this for two minutes. I mean, he's just yeah, he's just there. This yeah. is a totally different guy Listen, than the Kurt Angle. They see those guys past a certain age the way they see certain guys. We all thought Bully Ray would get a really prominent position in the company. Look, I think that's a mistake. Uh, I I think so, too. I think the the amount of dream matches that you could promote with the likes of a Kurt Angle and ex-wrestler on this roster, you could stand to, I think... Do a lot better than your typical, you know, pay-per-view. But Kurt Angle's not doing a 2003 match, but Kurt Angle is not shot. Yeah. Like, he was doing f- fine matches mm-hmm. right up until he, he signed back here. Yep. Um, but they just obviously do not see anything with him here. Probably he is just there to lose to guys. No many plans, probably. Yeah. not. And what a departure from last year. I mean, mm-hmm. he was the guy to pair with for Ronda's first match. Mm-hmm. I couldn't envision him in a very big prominent match coming out of this. Big E was in fifth. And then number six, Johnny Gargano comes out. He got a pretty big reaction. Um, yeah. You know, the, the pushed NXT stars, they were known and got reactions from this crowd. The NXT main eventers, yeah. Jinder Mahal was out seventh. And Gargano sent Mahal onto the apron and super kicked him out. So that was Gargano's uh, big moment and got to stay in there for a bit. Jinder Mahal didn't do much. Uh, Elias and Big E tossed out the Singh brothers and they got the, they used the pancakes on them too. Samoa Joe comes out. He eliminated Big E. Kurt Hawkins was number nine. He came out and he was going to do the same as Zelina Vega, just hiding out on the floor, but then got caught by Joe who brought him in with a coquina clutch, but got saved by Elias and Hawkins retreated and hid under the ring. 
Out number 10, Seth Rollins, who was in this for a very long time. He eliminated Elias, who failed to hold on to the ring post. Your favorite, Titus O'Neil. What were they going to do with Titus? He came out, he made the sign of the cross, and then he ran down, and then he held up right as he got to the entrance, or to the ring, and he stopped, and then he saw Kurt Hawkins underneath the ring, and he got pulled underneath. So Titus chased Hawkins into the ring, flew out, and went to the floor, and then Joe eliminated Hawkins. So we thought Titus was going to have the shortest uh, time in the ring, and it came down to this or Bobby Lashley. They were both very, very short. Kofi Kingston was out 12, Mustafa Ali was number 13, and Mustafa Ali got to not only stick in for about 30 minutes, he eliminates Nakamura, last year's winner. They made him look strong. Dean Ambrose was 14th. He did not look that strong. He was very forgettable by the end of this. He looks like they have moved on from Dean Ambrose. That's what this felt like. Maybe. Uh, Rollins and Ambrose, they did go at it immediately, so they revisited that. Um, Ambrose knocked Kofi Kingston down. His feet nearly hit. It looked very close, like both of them hit. Yeah, I believe it was just one foot, but it was very close, yes. So then he just, you know, he put his legs on the edge and just rolled himself over to the steps. He, oh, he, the, the, the little roll, like it was like a wall walk type of thing that was somewhat impressive, but not as impressive as either of the previous women that, that no. had done something. I like mean, that. last year was the one what the, he, he stood on the pancakes on the floor. Yeah. Like, Listen, he, like after 12 Royal Rumbles, I imagined he would be running out of ideas. You know, to be honest, though, he's... I think he's smart. He, everyone knows the highlight reel is there. Yeah. And it's like, if you do something so ambitious, you risk screwing up. It's true. Yeah. It's like he can coast. You're batting a thousand. Even if like, you know, your 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 recent performances aren't necessarily that impressive, they are still wins. Yeah. And he didn't fail. Yeah, sure. But nothing memorable. No. On this one. The memorable ones were Naomi and Catanzaro. Yeah. Ambrose hit Gargano with dirty deeds and he tossed Johnny Gargano out. Number 15, No Way Jose. I was wrong. This was the fastest elimination. Oh, okay. Because he was in and out. He walks in. He's out with the conga line. He is immediately clotheslined out. This was the bushwhacker spot. And he lands on the floor. So he just dances his way to the back. This guy doesn't care at all. He doesn't, obviously. This character's an idiot. Why, Why is he even employed? He's a character who simply is out there to have a good time. Oh, this guy is just... You win or you learn is his motto. Yeah, you win, you learn, you don't, you don't care. It doesn't matter. He's learning a lot. Yeah. (laughs) 16th, Drew McIntyre. He attacks the conga line on the way to the ring. I like that. He hit Rollins and Ambrose with Claymore kicks and then Joe with one as well. Xavier Woods was out 17th. We did another near elimination with Kofi where Xavier lifted him up. This one was far more, I think, goofier and obnoxious. Yeah. It was uh, like a... Like a reverse like wheelbarrow, and he just put him onto the I steps. I don't even know why Kofi jumped off the apron. It didn't even seem all that perfect. I think they missed it. it we, we just kind of... Anyway, it, was, it was, wasn't spectacular either. Pete Dunne was 18th. He stomped Drew McIntyre's elbow and then delivered the X-Plex to Ali on top of McIntyre. Then we had Andrade, Apollo Crews, and Aleister Black. Big NXT champ for him. Ollie dove off the ropes, got struck by a knee from Black, and then Black hit Ambrose with Black Mass and eliminated Dean Ambrose. Mm-hmm. Big elimination for yeah. Aleister Black. Sheldon, yeah, certainly they, they made real efforts to make sure all the NXT guys looked oh, pretty yeah. strong. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought they went above and beyond. 
Shelton Benjamin was 22nd, Baron Corbin 23rd, and Corbin got a bunch of eliminations here. He eliminated um, Apollo Crews first, then Jeff Hardy came in, and he just hit Twist of Fates all around. Dunn then snapped Alistair Black's finger, but he popped it back into place. That was pretty gross. Mm -hmm. Corbin then eliminated Alistair Black, lots of boos. Dunn tries to snap Corbin's fingers, but was stopped with a Claymore kick and then thrown out by Drew McIntyre. So McIntyre got some big eliminations here. Rey Mysterio, 25th. 26th was Bobby Lashley. Lashley comes in. He runs at Rollins, who ducks, and Lashley goes to grab the top rope, and he lets go of it and falls down to the floor. So I don't know if he was supposed to hold on and the elimination came earlier than it needed to, but he lands on the floor and he immediately pulls Rollins down and puts him through the announcer's desk. And this took Rollins out for several minutes. So uh, Bobby Lashley was just in and out and Mm -hmm. it was hard to tell if that was a a spot or not, because if you were, if you wanted to be eliminated, you wouldn't have been holding the rope like that. You would have just done the traditional fall down, but who knows? He was like, I mean, all this follow up with Rollins seemed very intentional, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it may have just been what they were doing with him. Uh, And maybe it's a match on TV or something like that. I Awesome. Uh, Great. Sign me right <laughs> up. Oh. 27th was Braun Strowman. He eliminates Corbin. Uh, Benjamin was also eliminated here. And then Braun dumped out Jeff Hardy. 28th, Dolph Ziggler. The wow. liar. What a surprise. Wow. Well, this guy did an interview on the weekend. And he stated emphatically. With Chris Van Fleet? Yes. Yes. And he said, I'm not going to be there. I'm just doing uh, my comedy show right after. I'm on a hiatus right now. He's talking about his contract and can't say when it's up. And it was like, that's fine. This is fine. If you want to use like, who interviews. Who cares? Like, to, whether or not, like, who cares about this surprise? You know? Yeah. Like, that was it. And to be honest, like, Ziggler came in and he got to eliminate Drew McIntyre. And I thought it hurt the final four that it was Ziggler and not Drew McIntyre. I agree. Totally. No one was buying Ziggler. Not yeah. one person. Drew completely would have been bought. I mean, I guess they want to rekindle that feud with Ziggler and McIntyre. But again, what like, feud? who wants to who who wants to sit through another one? Yeah. So yeah, I didn't understand this one at all. Yeah. Like it's it wasn't a big surprise to anyone. Um Randy Orton was 29th. Uh Strowman lifted Ali on his shoulders, went for a superplex as um Ray came off the top as well. It was kind of like this Tower of Doom spot they did. And then number 30 was R-Truth. And he comes out and everyone's just waiting and waiting. And he's attacked by Nia Jax. Throws him into the LED screen. I kind of like that it was R-Truth taken out because this guy can now proclaim himself the winner of the Royal Rumble all year long. Oh, that's brilliant. Yes. Yeah. The man who was never eliminated. So Nia Jax takes his spot, did not ask for any permission. It was assumed. And she enters in with all the men. And everyone's wondering, how are they going to do this? She lifts Mustafa Ali and dumps him to the floor. Orton then sets up for the RKO. And this audience, they are buzzing. Whether you like intergender wrestling or not, this crowd wanted to see Nia Jax and Randy Orton go at it. She stops the RKO and Orton gets sent onto the middle rope and is set up for the 619. But Jax stops Ray. Ziggler super kicks Nia Jax. Ray hits a 619 onto her. Ziggler super kicking Nia Jax. I guess like women have been unintentionally attacked before. Like even Lana, we just saw. Um, right. 
accidentally yeah. is how it's presented. But now, this was a clear strike. Yeah. Like because they I, I only I obviously I I don't have any issue with it in a pro wrestling context at all, but because they've been so careful with it in any of their, you know, intergender mixed match challenge matches and basically all their matches in general. They've gone out of their way. Yeah. Like male on female or sorry, female on male violence Pretty, they allow. Yeah. Not vice versa. Yeah. So I think the moment Ziggler hit him and then following up with everything that else that happened was to me like a real surprise. Definitely. I don't think anyone was surprised by this. And, you know, whether you're a fan of like this or not, this was one of the most popular moments of the entire Rumble. I they was, were so into this. I was a fan. Yeah. I mean, I just, I think just ignoring that uh, it's, you know, a female competitor. You're talking about Nia Jax, who is probably one of the most hated people in either roster, you know, due to, due to her associations with Becky Lynch and having her in here. They did mention the precedent of, you know, China, Beth Phoenix, and Karma per- participating in the men's rumble. So I didn't have a problem with it. Yeah, I think I think the visual, if it had been one of the smaller women, might have... Oh, that would have been weird. Yeah, I think, I think that would have certainly left people... I, I don't think this would have been the reaction. Hmm. Um, I think the visual, certainly, that was the reason they, they chose it. Hmm. Um, Jax is staggered from the 619. Orton hits her with the RKO. And then Orton and Mysterio dump Nia Jax over. Mysterio follows with a sliding dropkick, officially eliminating her. And then Orton hits Mysterio with an RKO, eliminates him, and Andrade pops in, eliminating Orton from behind. So it's down to Braun Strowman, Seth Rollins, and Dolph Ziggler. Oh, sorry, and Andrade. Yeah. Yes. They worked together against Strowman, including a top rope splash from Rollins, who returned after the table spot. Strowman eliminates Andrade. Ziggler is on the apron, gets knocked off by Strowman. So it's Strowman and Rollins. They fight onto the edge of the apron. Anytime you have a giant and a regular-sized individual, you've got to do the Chris Benoit Big Show spot. That's indoctrinated into every Battle Royal manual in the WWE. You have to do the guillotine to try and flip them over you. Strowman is on the edge. He gets caught with a... Uh, he catches Rollins with a choke slam, but he returns to the edge of the apron. Strowman is sent into the post, and then Rollins hits him with the stomp, and Strowman falls to the floor. Seth Rollins wins the Rumble. 57 minutes, 23 seconds. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a you know thoroughly entertaining Rumble. Um, I wouldn't really classify it as, I think, a favorite or anything. I... I do wish that there were more legends involved. I think part of the Rumble for me always has been seeing uh, great names from the past. And I thought the Jarrett thing was good, but I kind of, by the end of the evening, was hoping for a bit more than just, you know, the NXT talent that I'd just seen the night prior. Um, Rollins was definitely the the right choice. Um, Having him up against Braun at the end, I thought was good booking because they're both favorites. I felt like, Having him kind of climb out, though, and him and Braun climb out at the end were maybe slight cop-outs. I personally didn't enjoy this one as much as the Women's Rumble. I thought the Women's Rumble just had such more, so much more electricity with Becky and Charlotte in there at the very end. But I actually thought the Nia stuff was kind of fun. Yeah, I guess you you didn't get the reaction that Becky winning did for hers, but I'll say from start to finish, I like the men's one a lot more than the the, the women's match as an entire match. That this one held my interest a lot more, and I thought it worked much better as 
58 minutes than 71. I think that's a big difference. Um, so there you go. That is the Royal Rumble. It goes off the air. There were nothing mm-hmm. beyond that other than, you know, Seth Rollins celebrating. And that ends the show. And I, I think the right call going with Seth yep. Rollins. I don't, I'm not a big fan of you, you just send people down one path and have to then book yourself out of it. I kind of like the idea. This is where we're going. This is the guy. And you still have enough options with two title belts to go many different avenues over the next two months before you get to WrestleMania. Grapple rated the Men's Royal Rumble 3.08 out of a possible five. And match of the night, according to Grapple. Any guesses? Um, I will say it was... I'm going to guess Ronda and Sasha. Asuka versus Becky Lynch okay. at 3.86, followed by Finn Balor versus Brock Lesnar at 3.77. And then Ronda versus Sasha. Yeah. I would say that cruiserweight match, it should be... That was right beneath it. Oh, okay. Yeah, th- those were the top four matches. Uh, whatever Thoughts order on the you want to go in. Thoughts on the show overall? Um, I give this show a... Hmm, I would say on our scale of 1 to 20, I would go... I'd go 15 on this show. Yeah, I'd go 16. Yeah. So, I, I thought a good show. I, I don't think this will be show of the year, but... The Royal Rumble, the what I graded on is getting all the major pieces in place for the Rumble, and I think they they set up a lot on this show altogether. But these are very long shows. Yeah. But I, I like I said, I was thoroughly entertained. You know, I think some of it depends. Maybe, maybe your energy level. When you sit down this week, yeah, to watch No Way Out two thousand, uh-huh. and the and the time bar shows up. And you see the time bar. I want you to imagine. Imagine what if this was four more hours than what it is. I think it's very different for me, especially watching something taped versus something live. When there's something one day we might have to go back and review this again, way. And you're gonna say, "Oh my god, this is the longest match." You can't really compare the two. You know, it's like watching something that that uh, it just doesn't have the same energy when you're not watching it live. Uh, Let's before we go to the phone calls. Let's see what the uh, uh, message board rated this all right let me just give out the number and then we'll uh uh we'll go to the message board but uh 732-800-4423 we'll start taking calls in a minute but what does the message board have to say message board thought this show was 15.32 out of a possible 20 wow well look at that we're we're right on the nose of what the the forum had to say so as we wait for our first call let's go to some feedback from the forum jalen from pickering says thank god the women are main eventing mania because the men were trash on this show 40 plus years of combined experience and brian and styles thought that was the kind of match to work at that point in the show garbage Balor wearing paint to face Corbin, but not Lesnar. What a dumb baby face. The Memphis mid-carter analyzed having a segment at 11 p.m. Garbage. You're supposed to be... You're supposed to big baby face Rollins sleeping for half the match. Garbage. Luckily, the women's title matches were great, and their rumble finished strong. All right, let's, uh, let's keep going here. Alexander from Portland. Great show, although Rollins and Lynch were predictable winners. The Rumbles were fun and well put together. Enjoyed seeing the man-on-women action with Nia. Makes me question if we'll get an intergender match at WrestleMania. Curious to see where Lynch and Asuka head towards WrestleMania. Considering his lackluster IC title run and feud with Rollins and an appearance tonight, what do you see for Dean Ambrose at WrestleMania? Dean Ambrose at Mania? Um... Listen, man, like with, with as many uh, show uh, matches as they have on, on this card, I don't know if I see that much for him. I'll, I'll tell you, like most of the Raw roster, I 
I'm not really all that excited by any of those pairings. So um, he's maybe a he heel. can team up with Razor. Sure, why not? But he's a heel, kind of like at the bottom of a list that consists now of. I mean, I think I think uh, Braun Strowman's status is still maybe somewhat questionable, but he's certainly beneath Drew McIntyre. Um, I would kind of more position him on the level of like a Bobby Lashley at this point. So maybe um, kickoff uh, against. Uh, um, are you trying to the call? Kickoff. I'm gonna say. Dean Ambrose has a kickoff match against um, name a random raw babyface uh, Apollo Cruz. Apollo Cruz and Dean Ambrose. Whatever. Well, there you go. Setting uh, standards very high for Dean Ambrose and his raw. It's okay. if that's kind of the level, and I don't see him in a prominent position for WrestleMania. It's you know he needs a big turnaround. This has been a, a rough turn. Jake from the Windy City says, not a bad show tonight. I slightly like the women's rumble, but disappointed. But I was disappointed in the men's rumble. How many DDTs have we seen in the rumble match alone? It used to be one of the greatest finishers in the world, but now it's used for hot potato for a hot potato like it means nothing. Regarding Becky, I felt like she should have passed out rather than tapped out, considering how much she's been building built up to be such a strong and fearless talent. I thought Brock worked really well with Balor, didn't need the beat up after the bout, but they both had an average match with Balor showing a lot of offense. Also, I'm all in for a vegan HBK and Diesel combination. I'm curious to see where this Rowan thing will go. All right, Andrew from Cape Breton. Despite the length of the show, I thought it was excellent. Great matches all night, but one thing stood out to me. For the first time in ages, it felt like the WWE title match was the buffer match in the dead spot. I thought they could have went off the air with the Women's Royal Rumble, and it would have been a satisfying finish to a show. I know there's always questions about WrestleMania being cut into two parts, but I think the Royal Rumble could use that treatment as well. A highlight for me was Nia Jax taking up the monster spot as someone who everyone needs to gang up on, like Yokozuna, Diesel, or Braun Strowman. I guess I wonder if this will mean more intergender wrestling in the future. Amazing show, despite its length, both Rumble winners were the right choices. 17 out of 20. Jamie from Leamington, UK, where it ended at 5 a.m., the story of the show was the women, Asuka, Becky, Charlotte, and Rada feel like they have the strongest buzz in the entire company. Not to mention if they can keep some of the momentum they've got with Alexa, Nia, and Sasha. I like that both of the title matches had a different feel to them and ele- elevated all four performers. I really enjoyed the women's rumble this year, especially in contrast to last year as 2018 focused on the past and the legends, but this year felt more forward looking with a lot of NXT talent. It was great to see Rhea Ripley get some shine with three eliminations and nice moments for Candice and Casey Catanzaro. Kyrie and Io's interaction with the Riot Squad and their teaming on NXT makes me think that they'll be coming up soon. However, as a whole, it did suffer from there being no believable winners outside of Charlotte and Becky. The men's rumble was great until the end. Lastly, lastly taking out Rollins very much telegraphed the winner, and the Nia Jack spot brought the whole thing to a juddering halt and seemed really weird after a great start with lots of clever spots and moments. I like that both women's titles and matches were great, but had different feels to them. AJ and Brian never got going. I was never hooked. And the Rowan inclusion seems very sudden and bizarre. Balor and Lesnar was good, but unremarkable. All right, let's go to our first phone call of the night. Who is this calling? Yo, it's Hansi. Hansi, what's up? What's going on, brothers? Um, um, I've been watching the the review. I think you're doing a good job. Um, I just thought I thought um the rumble matches. I thought they were um, I, I'm not gonna say they were bad or anything, but I thought the ones last year were a lot better. But 
I will applaud them for giving um I'll applaud them for giving the right winners. Like I, I really thought if they didn't put Becky in to the rumble that we're gonna have a I was saying, you know, the, uh Daniel Bryan's treatment is happening because she's in the first match like Daniel Bryan was in two thousand fourteen. And then, you know, uh, maybe she won't even be in the Rumble. And then we're, we're, the crowd would get hijacked and all that. And I'm glad that they came to their senses. Yeah, I think that they weren't going to make that mistake. And they didn't. They went the complete opposite way. Not only putting Becky in the match, having her win it outright. Not even doing, you know, the uh, Charlotte and Becky both falling over at the same time spot. Like, they... We're very clear in sending everyone home happy with with Becky winning. So I I don't think you can really complain about the the finishes and and who they decided to go over. That people were generally very happy with the choices that they made. Yeah, your... I, no, you... go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask you what your favorite match on the show was, Hansi. Oh, my favorite match was probably the the, the Balor and Brock and uh, Sasha and Ronda. And th- this is what I was going to. Uh, Asked before I let, uh, I'll get off and let someone else call in. But I, I wanted to know, like, uh, because people were doubting, you know, Sasha's booking that, oh, she, she doesn't really have it anymore, or Balor is, you know, he's boring now because of the booking of him. Mm-hmm. I think the, these matches, even though, like, you know, they lost, I think it rejuvenated them a little bit. Do you guys see that they'll have big programs for Mania, or do you still think they'll be put down in the middle somewhere else and all that? Uh, no, I see both having, um, probably some significant things coming up at WrestleMania, not main events, but in terms of Sasha Banks being involved somehow with these tag titles. Yeah. But ultimately her having a heel run, I think is something that they should be getting to at some point, um, whether it be for WrestleMania or after WrestleMania. Uh, Next call. Who is this calling? Oh, let's. Okay. Call or call back whoever that was. All right. Um, let's keep going. Where do you see Finn or Sasha? Well, Sasha, I think it's obvious that she'll be part of this tag team title, uh, tournament deal, uh, or defending the tag team belt. I mean, I, I, I predict that her and Bailey, you know, if they don't win it, they will at least challenge for it at mania. And then where she goes after that, maybe that's the point where, the, where they will properly springboard to a Bailey versus Sasha feud. Um, Balor, I think has certainly gained a whole lot from this, uh, Brock feud in the short amount of time he's been involved in it i hope they maintain that momentum if they are going to do a rematch obviously they probably won't get to it until after seth gets you know defeats brock lesnar and then you know well you know they what what does balor do in these in the next pay-per-view in february yeah it's um so I think the follow-up is very key with, with Finn Balor, that he doesn't just get phased right back down to where he was before, that this should mark a step forward mm-hmm. for him overall, even though it's a title loss tonight. So let's talk about this. So Seth, we can assume, will challenge Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. That means the Raw championship match is taken care of. And Becky, I think they'll they'll be teasing you know, which one she'll be facing, whether or not she'll get a rematch with Asuka or... Uh, more more than likely getting that match with Ronda at Mania. Um, so that leaves Elimination Chamber open for SmackDown, right? For both men's and women's matches? Right, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so theoretically we'll get the two chamber matches, one with the tag and one with, yeah, mm-hmm. crowning the, the SmackDown contender, which, to be honest, I think is the better... Mm-hmm. Like, you look at the top SmackDown talent, like, that's a pretty good match yeah. there where you can have Joe, Ali, Orton, Hardy, uh, yeah. AJ... 
We talked about Dean Ambrose. I think, you know, maybe a good opponent for him at this point is Finn Balor in a babyface role. You know, having Finn Balor get another strong win on his way towards challenging for the title again against somebody on the level of Dean Ambrose, who to me is is on the descent, mm-hmm. would not be a bad choice. Yeah. All right, let's uh, keep going here with feedback. We will go to Bolo from Southampton. Wow, so many of you guys in the UK leaving, like being troopers, man. Yeah. Watching I, the show. I thought overall it was a great show. Becky entering the Rumble was predictable, but it came off uh, of her losing a great match to Asuka when they could have easily done a screwy finish to the match and left Asuka looking like a weak champion because Becky's feud is with Ronda and Charlotte, not Asuka. Men's Rumble was significant only for Nia Jax's involvement. Are the WWE testing the PG waters ahead of the new TV deals? Stinker of the night was AJ and Daniel Bryan. Rowan's involvement was out of the blue and made Bryan look weak, and the match came off boring after a hot series of matches. Overall, a good show, though, with solid matches and lots of build towards future feuds. Warren from Ottawa asks, How necessary are jobbers in the rubble? Do we need comedy shit from guys like No Way Jose, or should those spots go to better women's re- better wrestlers who might have to do double duty like Rusev or... More NXT guys. See, that's the perfect example that if you're clamoring for the legends from the past, yeah, that's a spot that could have been utilized a lot better than a geek on the roster. But No Way Jose is a geek, right? Like, he's not being positioned to be anything more than simply an opening card guy or a guy who's just there for house shows. Same with Titus O'Neil. Did did it... Was it a great spot? Do you even remember who eliminated him? I didn't think it was a great spot, no. So, I mean, to me, it's... That could have been a... That could have been a, a spot. Like I agree. Yeah, I, I personally would have. You, you had a Kurt Hawkins as the 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 number one geek. Yeah. Uh, no way, Jose was even the number one geek in mm-hmm. the match. I'm guessing they just like to throw a bone to the people that travel with them. You know, our oh, full time guys. What a, what a bone! They got on the show. How about you give him a give him a raise? That's a nice bone. Okay, that's another topic. All right. Uh, your turn. Let's go to. Uh, James here from New Jersey. Good show, not great. The women's matches were both good, and the rumble and the rumble was a lot of fun. We knew Becky would get in there somehow, but that was the audience they wanted, so it worked out fine. Weird ending to the world title match. AJ and Bryan at a big event should be a classic. I guess we'll have to wait to see why they shoehorned Rowan in. Universal title match was good. I thought Balor looked great. Men's Rumble had some fun moments, but even though they teased, they tried to tease Andrade or Ziggler. You knew the eventual winner was out on the floor. Kind of predictable, but I guess we knew where they were going. Still nice to see guys like Mustafa Ali get some attention. I, I always find that that criticism is, yeah, they could have had, I don't know, Dolph Ziggler winning would not have been predictable. And then everyone always said, wow, what an unpredictable finish. And it would have been a bad idea. Yeah, I, I, I don't think predictability is a bad thing at all. I think what is important to do, though, is to try to... Even though I think we all expected Becky to win that match, then playing with that expectation, you know, with her being eliminated, I thought was great. Like we back when The Undertaker had his streak, we all knew more than likely The Undertaker was going to win. But the challenge every year was to make you buy into those false finishes. And every time that they were able to do that, we had the best time of our lives. And I thought like predictable finishes like this are no different. Even tonight when everyone assumed that it would be Carmella being taken out they didn't go that way they had a this this great red herring that was Lana that mm-hmm. yes she, you didn't even remember about Lana until she came out so late and of course she had the injury from early on like that sure. was really well thought out yeah Joey from Queens 
Overall, the show was pretty fun. I was slightly disappointed at the quantity of surprise entrance outside of NXT in both Rumbles, but never would I guess in the year of our Lord 2019 would we see Jeff Jarrett in a WWE ring. I'm not privy to the circumstances of how the WWE and Jarrett made up, but if I had to guess, it goes to show you the ability of... to play nice and mend bridges. Maybe CM Punk in 2020. <laughs> yes, maybe. Let us go to our next call. Who is this calling in? Uh, hey, guys. It's Scrum. Hey, Scrum. What up? What's up, guys? Uh, how's it going? Good, Scrum. You blew up on Twitter today with a with a certain tweet. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. My phone not stopped blowing up since then. So for people who haven't seen it... Um, Scrump, of course, was involved in the last time, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, AEW, you were at the press press rally, and then you were one of the people who were asked to not attend um, that, that SmackDown taping uh, in Jacksonville with your AEW shirt. And, of course, um, on this show, there is actual fan footage of somebody being asked to take their shirt, their AEW shirt off. Yeah, so one of my friends, uh, Kelsey, who's at a lot of the... WWE show, she typically sits in the front. Uh, we were texting probably around the pre-show, and she sent that video over to me, uh, telling me like, "Oh yeah, this is crazy." Like, you know, this happened. This, I, she didn't mention exactly what happened. They just made the guy take off his shirt, and I uploaded it. And I think it was after you retweeted it, Wing, or waiting that uh, it blew up. And <laughs> it's just the influencer waiting. Not, oh Jesus! Nah, it's. Yeah, you made me go viral. <laughs> oh, please. Uh, what's on your mind, Scrub? Uh, I just wanted to say uh, the men's rumble, I enjoyed how fresh it felt because it wasn't a lot of the older um, like older people on the roster, not as far as age, but just people we're, we're so used to seeing. Um, even though it was only like a few uh, NXT guys, I think the, that they had... Um, guys like Mustafa Ali in there mm-hmm. uh, who got to shine a lot more than I thought he would and then you had the likes of like Samoa Joe uh, and Drew also in there kind of shining as opposed to just Braun coming in or Kane coming in uh, and kind of doing the same big man spots I thought that was pretty cool and I know a lot of people were upset about the whole Nia Jax thing but I thought it was awesome that you know she got into that 30 which is something I I, I was watching it with some of my buddies, and when she came out, they are like, there's no way it's going to happen. And then she got in there, and we were like, all right, but there's no way she's going to go in there and actually, you know, take any offense from the guys. And I thought it was pretty cool that, you know, Ray, Dolph, and Randy got, got their shit in on her. I mean, there was no denying the reaction from the audience for that. I mean, that was one of the... That was one of the bigger things they were into throughout the night. We talk about like them wanting to deliver surprises, and you know, outside of changing the winner of the finish, I, I mean, I'm sure this part of the thinking was who is the least <laughs> likely person that anybody would ever expect. You know, I guarantee you, nobody in our Rumble pool has probably guessed Nia Jax. By the way, we will find out the results of our Rumble pool uh, tomorrow. Yes, yes. Monday night, we will have the results of the Royal Rumble pool and see if anyone chose Jeff Jarrett number two or (laughs) Nia Jax number 30. It's highly doubtful, but I mean, I I enjoyed it for those reasons too, Scrum. Yeah, I know Braden mentioned uh, when on his review of TakeOver that it would be cool if Becky came in at number 30, which, Mm -hmm. uh, which you know, I feel that would have also gone over well. 
if she would have just came in at number 30, it, you know, had they had like Charlotte or someone else win the the first rumble, but no, yeah, like it was, it was pretty cool to me. And definitely, yeah. One of those things where we had a rumble pool at work as well. And one of our buddies, he was, uh, I don't know what he was doing, but he had me updating him via text. And when I told him that his number that Nia Jax came out, you know, at number 30, he was like, haha, no, but like for real, it was our truth. And we had to like send them video because he just refused to believe that Nia Jax came out. I will say, I think if it was Becky instead, Becky would have had to win. And I think having her win would have made the the the, uh, the rest of the roster look pretty bad. I think if you're going to do it, this probably worked out better. And you almost wonder because, yeah, that, that Becky idea was getting thrown around. You almost wonder if that planted the seed that ultimately led to this idea mm-hmm. where they said, we can't do it with Becky. But yeah. wait a minute. Who could work in this role? Could we do this? Could we get away with this with Naya? And there they said, well, that seems something better. I think we also all expected our truth to be part of the Women's Rumble, right? A lot of people <laughs> expected that he would take Yeah, I know. Spot. That was one thing That was one thing I saw a lot of people <laughs> talking about, where he would come out number 30 for the women's and, you know, he would do that shenanigan. But no, I mean, it's, yeah, you're, you're right, I guess. Well, I mean, the wrestling community is not known to blow things out of proportion, so maybe they wouldn't have been upset, you know, if uh, Becky would have won the men's rumble. What was well, your What was your favorite match on the show, Scrum? Uh, my favorite match, um, the opener was really good for me. Uh, I got scared on the ring apron spot where it looked like Oscar didn't get that full rotation on that like swing neck breaker she was trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, all the all the matches were fine. I felt like AJ and uh, Brian kind of suffered a little because uh, the because of the women's rumble. Uh, you, I mean, after Becky wins, you know, it's like, how do you come? You know, how do you top that? Right. And you don't. And those guys did it. You know, they went out there and they tried. Um, I was a little disappointed that uh, Finn and Brock didn't go a little longer, um, but it, it was to be expected. And I saw Mrs. Balor and Mr. Balor in the front crowd, and I thought maybe Finn will take it, but he came out in uh, no demon makeup, so I figured there's no way they're giving it to that guy. Maybe Finn took a took a page out of Dolph Ziggler's book, and he told his parents, "Yeah, guys, you should come over. I'm winning the title." He lied. To <laughs> well, well, Mrs. Dad was there, and he won the belt, so I figured, all right. Yeah, is, uh, look at that. That's yeah, this, this look for the parents. parents. Yeah, look for the parents. Yeah, yeah look for the parents. Vince's dad was also a highlight. Anytime that guy's on screen, he's uh, he's quite the character. Well, Scrump, uh, thanks a lot for calling in, and I'm I'm certain that we will be uh, following uh, all the all the latest from you as your uh, your phone continues to blow up tonight. All right, you guys have a good night. You too, Scrump. Thanks very much. All right, we'll do a few more uh, pieces of feedback here. Uh, if we get any more calls, we will go to those sure. as well. Uh, Okay, uh, my turn probably. Yeah, Joey from Queens says over- that was the one I read. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Tyler from Orlando, I thought last year's Rumble event was a whole lot better. Uh, as a whole, was better. I didn't think this was a bad show, just not great. Women's Rumble was pretty sloppy. AJ and Daniels, Daniel Bryan was disappointing to be honest. With a strange finish, I wonder what happens to Luke Harper now that the Bludgeon Brothers aren't a thing anymore. Both Rumbles had the right people win them. I predicted both correct, so I'll take my million dollar cash prize via PayPal, guys. Thanks to all. Uh, thanks for all you two do. Laura from Vancouver, pretty darn good show. Oscar has made a star again with a clean submission. 
With a gorgeous last chancery Oscar lock, Becky looked smart tapping as passing out would have lessened her chances of being cleared to compete in the Rumble. Becky taking a spot in the Rumble via an honorable replacement rather than an attack was great. Nice to have continuity between pre-show and main show as well. Charlotte looked like a crazed monster heel, which will and can now easily lawyer her way into the Mania main event. And her current persona will add a great dynamic to it. Balor took it to Brock, and I feel we could see a swerve and Rollins challenges Brian, and we get Demon versus Beast on the Raw side. Yeah, that'll be interesting how they go with Charlotte right. here. She has the the claws that she can be the sore loser that didn't lose to someone that was in the Rumble. Right. Like, I eliminated everyone that was registered for this Rumble, mm-hmm. and Lana could not compete. I was the last legal member of the Rumble. Sure. And it's a great heel line to go with. I guess Mustafa Ali can claim, claim the same, can he? He was eliminated by Nia Jax. That's true. I guess yeah. he was. Uh, he was. He's still. Technical. Although the character wouldn't really do. Well, then you can do Nia Jax and Mustafa Ali maybe on uh, <laughs> on another yeah. show. Okay, but what about what he suggests here with uh, Rollins challenging Brian on the SmackDown side? Could you see that happening? I don't see that one happening. Yeah, I see Rollins like everything that he's been saying as a character lines up with him facing Brock Lesnar. Yeah, and and look at it that. Who would Brock's opponent be at WrestleMania? I don't see Braun Strowman. suggesting Demon Balor. Yeah, Demon Balor. I, I don't see that as a WrestleMania match. Tonight was not a match that built to a rematch, especially for WrestleMania. So, no, I don't see that happening. Uh, okay, we go to Omri from Mexico who says, It's my first time watching a Rumble show live, and it was absolutely, completely fine. Nothing except Becky's win was memorable in any way, and both Rumble matches were pretty boring for the most part. The thing that was glaring for me was the overuse of every single Rumble trope there is in both matches. Someone not getting into the ring, someone hiding under the ring, someone being taken out of the match without being eliminated, someone being taken out before the match and getting his place taken, an incredible Kofi-style non-elimination, and I'm sure there's more that I missed. The women's title matches were both good, and men's were disappointing for different reasons. Non-Demon Balor is a geek whose finisher doesn't even necessitate a kick out and can be totally ignored in order to get to the finish the brian aj match was fine but not anywhere close to great i wasn't bored to sleep or enraged with stupidity throughout the whole show and that gives it two points by itself out of a 10 scale 11 vintage coals calling vintage moves out of 20 all right uh let's go down here to grit gritner average show with thumbs in the middle pointing slightly up he says that becky and oscar was his match of the night shane against miz and bar was in fact a match unremarkable other than Shane's punches, which were comically worse than normal. Sasha Ronda was the only other match I'd considered to be good. Women's Rumble was totally saved by Becky. Lacey Evans looked really bad here, or at least the one I paid the most attention to as she was number one. Brian AJ was a disappointment and was topped off with a bad finish. Would have loved to have seen Brock and Finn go longer. As strong as Finn might have looked, I'm of the opinion that it was negated by a tap on the first Kimura. Men's Rumble was a little above average and felt fairly uneventful outside of Jeff Jarrett, Seth winning, and... Nia being number 30. I hated the Nia entrance at first, but I turned a corner along with the crowd when Orton was setting up for the RKO. So good job. Favorite commentary moment? They talked about how Cruz eliminated eight people a year ago in a battle royal and said he has momentum. The big mo. Well, momentum doesn't have a timestamp. Christian from Mustang, Oklahoma asks, who would we see fitting in with Brian's new stable? The obvious one is Harper, unless they believe that maybe now is the time to separate them and put Harper on Raw. I, the only challenge I could see with that is maybe having the comparisons be too close to what the Wyatt family was. Yeah, I'm yeah. not I'm not completely sold on Harper and Rowan being yeah. Brian's lackeys. I also don't know if you need to grow this stable to be anything more than maybe just, it's just, a, Rowan. just the two people. 
I, I do like Brian having somebody like that. I had suggested um, originally Lars Sullivan in that role to come in yeah. and just, just for Brian to have that guy that I think it's a good role to have for him. Here's a su- suggestion. Bree. <laughs> How does she fit into all this? I don't know. You didn't see Total Bellas tonight, so uh, you're going to have to catch up. Yeah, I will. Oh, by the way, the Page uh, uh, Chronicle, I imagine we'll talk about on uh, yes. the yes. double shot this week. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Cool. Who is this calling? Hey, guys. This is uh, Lewis from Long Beach. Hey, Lewis. What's what did up, you think Lewis? about the show tonight? Uh, I thought the show was fine. Uh, I think I'm in agreement with most people that I would say the Rumbles were not as strong as last year's, but overall, I think the show was good. I think the singles matches, a lot of them were pretty solid. How did you find the length of the show? Was it, was it, uh, yeah, who's, who's right here? Oh, oh my God. This show is like the way a lot of the times that I agree with you, this show is brutal, man. The show is absolutely brutal. Maybe uh, it's because I've been drinking green tea. You guys need to change it up. Maybe you were just in great, in great company and it just, uh, <laughs> breezed by. Maybe that's the difference. I think that was it because I was kind of like in and out of this show like continuously. So I would watch a bit of the show and then I would like pause it and do something else so I could like allow myself to skip through pieces of the rumble just because so much of the rumble was just nothing. And I was like, okay, is anybody interesting going to pop in? And the answer was mostly no. So we've been talking about, you know, the title directions. Uh, as you're looking at WrestleMania, are there any pairings that really stand out to you that, that you would like to see or that you feel were teased uh, coming out of this show? I mean, where's kind of your interest level for WrestleMania and how the show achieved uh, getting towards there? So speaking of WrestleMania, they had the uh, 24 right after um, the Rumble. And the mm. first sequence they show is Brock coming out post the main event and throwing Universal title at Vince and almost hitting him. Wow. And one, it was insane to see. And then two, it made me like appreciate the fact that Brock still gives a shit. And well, that's after that disaster of a main event with Roman Reigns. That was just an awful, awful main event. That was my worst match of the year, I believe. It it should have been. It was terrible. Uh, And what that makes me think is that we're going to get a really good match between him and Seth. Mm. and the other thing uh i don't think mustafa ali's there yet for him to be in a wrestlemania uh event main event not a main event but a wrestlemania title match with brian but as far as baby faces on the smackdown side the only one that i would say is even close to that is ray and if i had a choice between mustafa ali and ray mysterio i would pick mustafa ali but i think that they're gonna end up picking ray mysterio honestly hmm yeah, that's an interesting one, too, because, I mean, um, you know, like thinking the way that they think, like, look at where, where Kurt Angle's placed on this show. I mean, yeah. the, the reason that, like, you know, I feel like they've been going with Andrade versus Ray so often on TV is because I don't know if that match makes it to pay-per-view. Like, they might just see Ray as sure. sort of like, quote unquote, enhancement talent at this point for somebody like an Andrade, whereas they would probably save for the people that they actually care about pushing. Uh, spots that are on pay-per-views. So it makes me question. I completely, I would love to see that match. That's a dream match. Um, but I think he would have to really catch fire with the audience and they would have to book, book him strong in order to get there. They also have, like in their back pocket, is that win by Mustafa Ali over Daniel Bryan yeah. that they've, yeah. never, right. they've never built up on that. And I don't believe that that would have been done for no reason. So I think yep. that's something, maybe that's not a mania program, but it's certainly mm-hmm. like, something that they have to revisit let me ask you guys something do you think that they might look at um the reaction that brian and and styles received tonight and think about taking the belt off of brian as a result 
I, I, I think tonight, I think they realized the situation they were in. I, mm-hmm. I can't imagine them, you know, getting cold feet. But that said, after mm-hmm. Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, it was pretty clear that they kind of gave up on Dean Ambrose after that. And, and that it, was right around the time they kind of just went the different way with him. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I would, yeah, Lewis? I would say the big difference is, is that Dean Ambrose is just bad across the board. Uh, the thing with Daniel Bryan and me is Daniel Bryan is pretty clearly the best promo in the entire company. Mm-hmm. And his in-ring work is still pretty good. To me, this match is more of an aberration versus every single moment that Dean Ambrose is on your screen post like uh, Roman Reigns leukemia announcement was garbage. Right. He, he just didn't generate any heat. He didn't generate any interest. Like when Daniel Bryan's on my TV, I want to watch him. While when Dean Ambrose is on my TV, it's like, oh, I have free time to do something else. Yeah, I think Daniel Bryan's going to be all over SmackDown and positioned strongly going into WrestleMania as champion. So I, I, I think tonight is a hiccup and one that they're just going to move move forward with because they they see him at that level. But nonetheless, not not a great outing tonight. It was just a match that just it didn't click with the audience. Anything else, Lewis? So, so one thought, uh, when you were bringing up Becky and sort of how they uh, let Asuka get that clean win over her and whether that was going to sort of cool Becky down, what it reminded me of was uh, the WrestleMania a few years ago where Seth cashes in at the end of that WrestleMania, and they had him lose clean to Randy Orton earlier in that match on a pretty spectacular RKO finish. Mm-hmm. And it, I thought the same thing where it's like you have this guy lose, but or this woman in this case, but it doesn't matter because like the ultimate image that everyone's going to have coming out of this show is them having this big triumphant moment where you're sort of like staging the show around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I'd say the circumstances of that was also you're setting up Rollins first title challenger as well. I mean, you have a ready made mm-hmm. challenger sure. when you're coming out of that. So a little different here with, where, but I will say this: winning the rumble for Becky, it at least it at least adds the degree of believability. She could pick either person because there's a reason now for her to pick Oscar. So sure. you can play with that. It doesn't have to be the foregone conclusion that it's Ronda. You can play with the audience for a bit and and kind of tease which direction she's going, and maybe, uh, and maybe try and do that rematch with Oscar ahead of time or something if you have some grand plan uh, as well. So. I'm intrigued of where where they go with this. Regardless, I thought I thought it turned out more than great for Becky tonight. Agree, agree. Well, thank you very much, Lewis. Appreciate the call. Absolutely, thanks, guys. Shall we uh, wrap things up? We're at about the two hour mark. Yeah, here. I think we should wind this one down. It's yeah. been a lengthy weekend. I want to thank all of our callers, all of the people that posted on the forum, and the 877 of you that joined the Royal Rumble pool. Wow, there will many. only be one. Uh, well, we'll have the top three to announce on Monday night. We'll probably announce a prize at that point too cuz we have not done Tune that. in for the prize. In, it's like um, as usual. Yeah, it's like a, it's a mystery. It's like the money in the bank, but you don't know if a contract's <laughs> inside, you don't know if a balloon is it's inside. It's more like feast or fired, isn't it? That's it. Yes. Yeah. yeah, maybe you'll be fired. All right, so that's coming up on Monday. Rewind to Raw, all our regular shows. Uh the double shot will be our next uh, cafe exclusive show on Tuesday night. We'll chat about the page uh chronicle. Uh, We'll probably chat about this 24. And my plan was to chat about the episode of Raw going into No Way Out 2000 because that's our subject on Rewind Away this Friday. So uh, I I have learned that Way has an incredible 
patience for lengthy shows. So oh God, maybe we'll stop. do a six-hour double shot on Tuesday night, and we'll see if <laughs> Wei can display some fatigue. We'll find out. All right. All right. Thanks to everybody for uh, tuning in. Uh, anything else, Wei, to add before we sign off? Nope, not at all. Uh, again, I want to thank everybody listening to, to this right now. Thank you to everybody on the, on the Post Wrestling Cafe. We've had a tremendous January. And I uh, hope you guys are all on board for the rest of the Mania season. Yes, you can uh, jump aboard. It's not too late. Postwrestlingcafe.com. You can uh, sign up, get access to our entire archive, multiple bonus shows per week, including these live shows uh, that we do afterwards, your chance to call in. And for all your news and everything that's going on in the world of post-wrestling, your one-stop shop, postwrestling.com. That is it. We'll speak with you Monday night following Raw. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.